Uh, you want a gushy? Yeah, I want a gushy. <laughs> you are a gushy. I, <laughs> Can you catch it? Yeah. Are you actually going to catch it? Yeah. I'm going right here. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. You see it. He I it. made those. I really didn't think that he was going to. You know, I was going to make a comment about my favorite thing about gushies okay. was the packaging, but they've changed the fucking packaging. It used to be so easy to like rip open because it, it was made, it was made so of like gentle. paper material or something, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, my, it was. My yeah, family was, was too poor to buy gushers. Yeah, it wasn't that so you don't get But I think you're absolutely right. I don't think it was plastic. That's yeah, it wasn't was plastic. easy. It, yeah. Like this you have to but before it was just you know. Yeah, it was but you now, just be is, so gentle with it. Yeah, mm. it, it kinda comes apart if you just kind of just Huh? Okay, well, you probably don't have to do that when you open it. No, I didn't do that. It did that. It moans when I opened it. It's, it gushes. I just, I just have open, that, I just have that effect one. on gushers. Oh, I, yeah. I don't really want to eat one right Jesse, now. Jesse, open one now. I can't, I, I Jesse, can't, open one! I can't eat that sugar at 1 o'clock in the afternoon the way I used to. Jesse just checked his wrist. He's not even wearing a watch. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fucking rock with a stick on top of it. This is the first thing I've had to eat. We today. make do with my family, Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> family, you fucking tribe. <laughs> He's got a fucking sundial on his wrist. <laughs> yeah, there's no sun in here. Though. No, there's no fucking sun. <laughs> well, let, me see, let me go outside for a second and see what time it is. It's cloudy today, and he's like, it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Is it good? You it, like it? It's gushing. <laughs> that's Gushes weird right in your mouth. me too yeah no <laughs> yeah i got the worst one though i got the orange one you don't want that one the blues were the best right yeah we, the blues were the best when are we starting by the way hey buddy yeah we're in a podcast right now oh we've already started oh okay all right i didn't know that that's what we were starting with i didn't get the memo that we were starting with gushers you know we're starting that's what i chose to start yeah, usually with. you end oh. with a gusher <laughs> <laughs> oh mike's here yeah mike's here <laughs> uh okay so was well, i the only kid back in the day with fruit by the foot that didn't eat it the way you're supposed to like literally unroll the entire thing and just like form it into a ball and were all of you fucking out. rich just buying these uppity <laughs> ass snacks what did, you, what did you eat did dude you? i had cheese crackers that's what i had <laughs> jesse, jesse was that kid at the lunch table that would open up a lunch box and he would pour milk in it on top of cereal <laughs> eat it and then pour the rest of the milk out the side corner of the lunchbox close it and not wash it and the rest of the day it's sitting there <laughs> in his locker in the hot sun and you know you hey you know it's not getting cleaned out at home either no one's got time for that there was one time that i had my lunchbox i think that was at middle school my lunchbox was in my locker in and middle I, opened school? Up, I opened it up one day, <laughs> opened it up one day and then the entire locker was full of ants that's how you get ants yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's still having that issue today. Jesse and his milk ants. <laughs> you guys don't. You guys didn't he bring walks, a lunchbox. He walks in. He's like, "When did the cave get lockers?" <laughs> Welcome to the metal age, Jesse. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, this is a pretty echoey room. Um, so just kind of lean into your mic a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. More. All right. Yeah. Is this better? No, yeah, a little yeah. bit better. How's it feel on your dainty little ears? I don't know. My ears are they're tingling. <laughs> I'm going to. I want to follow you into your house and we'll hurt you real bad. You look, you look bad with those headphones on. Can you hear that? <laughs> Lean into the mic a little bit more. All right. Say, say it. Say it say again. again. One more time. You look real fucking bad when 
headphones on. I don't like it very much. That's how you should sound all the time. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Even when we're off mic. (laughs) You'll never hear Nick Nolte ever again. That's how he talks to me. He doesn't talk to y'all like that. Yeah. No, he doesn't like me enough. I pull him in close by the, by the, the seams of his flannel, and I say things to him he'll never forget. Um... So you want to do a podcast? I want to do a podcast. Not Is that really? why we're here? Yeah. I think I'm I think, so. I think I'm kind of against the idea now. It seemed like a good idea for three weeks. You know what? Now that we've all got right, all the mics up. out set up around a table and all the boys are here, I would right. honestly rather just play the thing board game. I think I think we should do that. That would be a better podcast than what we're about to do. <laughs> yeah. It'd be easier just to flip the table over and push it in a corner and just forget about all this shit. We'll play it on the floor. <laughs> Turn out the lights. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, we're yeah. playing a different game with Jesse. Play roll over the bump. Should we get started? Yeah. Are you doing... Yeah. Jesse, go ahead. You do the intro. I don't have the intro in front of me. Just, just do one. Just, just rip one. What, what do you think this one? show's about? It's a it's about the 90s. We're here to basically live our own nostalgia through a series of 90s movies, shows, commercials, and anything and everything in between. Well, that's not it, Garrett. You can... <laughs> you go, Garrett. You're not winning any fucking Emmys. <laughs> do, you, do you want me to do it in a voice? No. Just, no. Well, I, I mean, can... do it do it in your voice, which is a voice. This is, this is my voice. Well, R- Rumpelstiltskin your, your, your voice could is, do your this voice. Your voice is higher than that. <laughs> <laughs> do it in your normal voice. I have it. I have a limerick for you. That's an 1890s Victorian voice. That's not a 1990s. This is going to be 30 minutes of him going. Garrett's <laughs> <laughs> uh, scary. Spindly. <laughs> <laughs> <He's spendly. laughs> well, hey, hey, fellas. W- welcome to 90s Roulette, where we take media from all over the 90s, spin the wheel, see what it lands on discuss and see all right welcome to the very first step of 90s roulette the podcast where we roll the wheel to find out what movie tv show and music video was covered from the only decade worth talking about are these things still gold through rose tinted glasses or not you're supposed to all do it with me i was gonna get there that i, I was, didn't know we were that was the most robotic you. shit i heard all day i, I was on a think... train and i was getting there yeah i honestly think garrett's intro was the best yeah i thought Garrett. all right, all right i'll do it again all right <laughs> no please don't do it again please don't do it again let's start let's start how deep are we already uh we're about 1.5 inches deep Brother, I'm out of the bag already. <laughs> I'm already out. Yeah. I've still got a few gushers, but I'm all out of the bag. <laughs> no, really. How long have we been going? Uh, oh, we're uh, That's seven. That's an hour, brother. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shit. Oh, These are going to be easy. Seven God, and a half sweating. minutes. I think we got one in the can. Seven and a half minutes. It's really been that long. Wow. Yeah, we've been right. damn, we're good at this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Patreon. Uh, go <laughs> yeah, you're going to want to go to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want more stuff like this. Uh, yeah, you want to go to <laughs> patreon.com. <laughs>
We'll send you a box of fruit by the foot. Yeah. No, to fucking don't promise that. <laughs> We're going to run out. All right. No, there's not enough, Jesse. No, really. Do you want to start? You've got the you've got the list. You know what's on deck. Yeah, I've got the list, but uh, we're going to cut to that right after uh, this. Let's change the channel. Oh, what are you two mixed up in now? Not enough to make cookie crisp part of every kid's balance breakfast. Denzel Washington. We cannot launch our missiles unless I agree. Gene Hackman. I'm the commander of this ship! Crimson Tide, rated R, starts Friday, May. Yeah, so this uh, episode we rolled uh, for our movie Crimson Tide uh, from 1995, a Tony Scott movie starring Gene Hackman, Denzel Washington, James Gandolfini, and Viggo Mortensen, the King of the Rings himself. What studio produced that? Um, it was Bruckheimer and Don Simpson. What studio was it? Fox? Just do the 20th century Fox sound effect now, Garrett, anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was Fox. It's not Fox, but I don't know what the fuck just happened. Hold on, I now now I need to know what what studio. Oh, please look it up. We really should look this up before. Why'd you ask that? Wait, I don't have any of that. Wait, are we doing Crimson Tide? <laughs> he did the Prince of Tides. <laughs> I watched Crimson Peak. Oh Jesus! Hey, well, you guys talk about that. I'll talk no, about there that. Was, there was one more dude that was in this movie that uh, James Gandolfini was. No, no, in no, no, no. That I've seen in a lot of movies. Not as big of a name. Steve as the Zahn. Steve Zahn. The white dude. The they're all hair. white. Well, Denzel is not white. I was, well. really, I was really surprised by Steve Zahn. Like that had to be one of his earliest. His movie. second movie. He had done yeah. he had done Reality Bites the year before that in '94, and then this was his second movie. The guy who gets hit, he dies in the, uh, the went in the in the, the thing that's flooding uh, after oh, they get hit. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, okay. yeah. He's usually yeah. a comedic actor. He oh, that was Barnes. Yeah, that he yeah, was Barnes. Barnes. Dude, I could not keep. It was like The Hobbit. I did not no. know anyone's fucking name other than. Um, well, that's Cobb what that's how it goes. In the control room, because doing, they like, say his name movies. like a thousand fucking. Yeah, times. it was really and Mr. Hunter. Yeah. Those are the two I got out of it. I watched, I watched it. it twice, so I kind of I I, I know their names a little bit. No, I'm, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was a lot easier to follow the second time. It seemed like the first half hour was just nothing but exposition it was really hard dude to follow. i'm so glad like, you said that <laughs> i at, at around like the 20 to 30 minute mark all right so first off the top i did not like it was not a fan i actually really did like it by the end but it but, was it was hard to follow. dude like i don't know if it was like 20 30 minutes in it's whenever the fucking little toy submarine is finally doing its little deep sea dive <laughs> adventure did anybody notice the string but, in one shot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with the bats above it yeah <laughs> but but dude i we were sitting there and it's like playing a song i don't even remember but it's like diving down dude. into the water that fucking shit i i i I, I sat there and I was like, are we about to watch the submarine sink down for 10 fucking minutes straight? The answer was yes, close. Yeah. It was like five solid minutes of it slightly getting more wet. And that was it. How many bottles of spray, like water and spray bottles do you think they had on the set for every person 
in the movie. I mean, every, like every, every single sh- shot, Scott Scott like, they walked up to somebody. Like, just, just Ridley and Tony Scott movies, both. Right. Everything is just steam and wet and rain, and it's always something like glycerin soaked everything in a Scott. I mean, look at Alien. They're yeah. on a ship, and everything in that, that movie is wet for the last 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's just a Scott thing. Dry-ass space, but dry ass the, the space. ship is yeah. fucking just sweating. That's what they should have called that movie, Dry-Ass Space. <laughs> but this was made by Tony Scott, uh, the brother of Ridley Scott, um, which I'm sure that's what he liked to go by. Um, that's probably the reason he jumped off that fucking bridge in 2018. Is that when he killed himself? Tony Scott? a little earlier. Little it had nothing to do with brain cancer at all. Brain cancer was actually like helping him. He had like psychic powers from the tumor. But someone called him Ridley Scott's brother one more time. And he said, I, fuck it, I'm done, man. I'm like, like, I made Domino. Yeah, I mean, off. yeah, sir, I made the Domino starring Mickey <laughs> Rourke. Oh, wait, the same, the same dude made Domino? So He made Top Gun. We're going to talk he about Tony Top Scott. Gun? He made Top Gun? Tony Scott started in the... Big fan of the military movies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He started in the early 80s. This is a little bit after Ridley, his brother, who had done Blade Runner and Alien already at that point. Oh, the good ones. Well, basically, I mean, he had made some stellar sci-fi, and this guy came out kind of like in the height of the cocaine 80s, like, okay, you know, like the big, the big, like high octane stuff. He did one art house movie. It was a vampire movie called The Hunger with David Bowie. Really good movie. Great start. And right after that, he goes to Top Gun. It's and- so funny that you say he made like high octane movies because I thought this was so boring. I thought it just did not have, like, like even when it was, like, high stakes or whatever, when the missiles are coming out, it's like, all right, cool, in five minutes, we'll have to deal with that. That's the submarine genre, my friend. Dude, it fucking it's, sucks, I, man. We'll get to I would, it. I hate submarine movies. I kind of have a disagreement. I like the movie a lot, of, actually. Yeah, I did, too. Um, I but liked it. It, yeah, it, I was wondering when the dumb opinions would show. Well, it's it's good for a summer. It's better than most submarine movies. It is. I yeah, I will agree with yeah, that hundred percent. I think the first half is actually the lead up. I really like just the way it's like everything shot. All the characters are going together. Uh, Tarantino came in to write some dialogue that you can really tell when the he punched especially up some dialogue. Yeah, yeah, especially when like Gandolfini's sitting there talking to Viggo Mortensen and they're listing off uh, Robert Mitchum and like movie references. Oh, clearly, yeah. I think that, that's all. Like Tarantino, that makes a lot so. of sense. I bet he wrote that first scene between. Uh, Gene Hackman and and Denzel with the like, cigars. Did, or, 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 yes. no, the one in the did office anybody where he else talks did, about fucking a horse? Yes. Okay. So yeah. I'm so glad you said that. I actually, made a note about that. Hold on, let me pull. Yeah, up. He, he, said he, he says that like that breed of horse is like a, high, a high school, school girl. girl. He goes, they, they have no brain to, in their so, head. Okay. So, so I watched it. So I watched it with my cousin yeah. last night, and we had to rewind that part like three times because his analogy doesn't make any sense. No. It's upsetting. Is that all the boys want to screw horses? Like he he says. Horses are, he said they're dumb as fence posts or something like that. No that brain in their head. And he's like, they're a lot like high school girls that way. They're dumb that they know all the boys want to screw them. Yeah. Just like, yeah, all the boys want what? to fuck them. <laughs> But no, we both went, what does that have to do with horses? <laughs> yeah. But I guess like, why are you fucking horses? <laughs> they, they, they know that they're, that, uh, that they're like a prime horse to be ridden. I think it's probably what he was getting at. Well, so, you, so you like the, you like the analogy. So then. you fuck horses. <laughs> right, we're gonna no, have to no, censor no, no, this no, part no. out. Be nice. He he wouldn't mind fucking a horse. But no, no. He, I. But I think it's one of those moments where, like, he's basically in an interview. He's like in a very, very highly decorated position opportunity, and he's just sort of like, okay, all right, and smiling. And even the guy, like his little right hand man, Gene Hackman's, is just sort of like, okay. 
All right? Everyone's just going with the joke, but the joke really falls flat. It's a really yeah. weird moment in that movie. It, it, it's from the very next scene you see and the next three scenes he shows up in, it just kind of had this weird, like, overbearing feeling of like, I think this it's dude might tent- be a pedophile. It's like he's <laughs> smiling at, every time he smiles at Denzel, you're like, you can't tell if he's impressed with Denzel or if he wants to punch him in the fucking face. Right. Um, but yeah. But I, I, I did like how it seemed as the movie went on, Gene Hackman's character starts making a lot of sense in a lot of scenes. And you're yeah, like, and yeah. you kind of, you kind of sympathize with him. And you're like, I mean, yeah, he's kind of right. He's not like inherently the bad guy. He's like a grandfather that you can't hammer a nail in straight in front of. You can do it a hundred times if he's not watching, but if he's looking over your shoulder, that nail's going fucking sideways and he's going to be very disapproving of it. He's that grandfather and, basically. And he could have been right. Like yeah. he, he just yeah, as likely could have been right it could have in been, the movie, uh, and it would have made like all the like I'm in charge, I'm in charge, I'm in right. charge. You know the little wacky like back and forth that they do at the end, mm-hmm. worth it, in the sense of like okay, well yeah, you should have launched missiles because they told you to. Right, and it just so happens that he was wrong, but I mean. It, so it was it's, sort of about this conflict of ideologies, right? Like one of them, like, you know, you got to be prepared to go to war. And the other side was like, well, we should avoid it at all costs because right, nuclear right. war changes the game. I think but, the, the scene that's really setting that up is like when they're all in the mess hall, That the very first scene when they're on the ship after they've gone down. Great and they're scene. All, yeah, the leadership's kind of ha- eating and they're talking about like that philosopher about what he meant about going to war right, and whether yeah. or not you should drop. And it's like... Uh, uh, Gene Hackman is very black and white about every idea he has in general, but especially as it relates to war. And Denzel Washington's this represents like the new way they're, that soldiers are being raised to question right. things. Context. Yeah, they're like they're being raised to ask why, and so that's the whole that's the inherent like conflict between them. One of them is a guy that doesn't doesn't ask why, and one of them is the guy that's going to ask why. Yeah, it's orders are orders, and then it's orders are to be interpreted. Yes. In, on the fly. I will say that, like, even though I didn't like the movie, and I thought it was very boring, I I felt like, I don't now I don't know shit about, like, submarines or military command and, like, authenticity for like issuing like commands and stuff but all the fucking one sq dive one five zero all that shit like you know it just happens over it's and like over, star and over. Wars dialogue. right it it's like, i have no idea what the fuck they're saying yeah, or sure. if it's even real but it felt like suspense they, of disbelief like it, it I, felt I, like they spent a lot of time to try and get it right if yeah. anything instead of just saying submerge Fire missiles, you know, like they could have just as easily by the second half of the movie, even though it it felt like it was very like exposition heavy, really plot heavy, that was hard to follow. At least you they did a good job of making it feel like you understood the pressure everybody was under and how freaked out everybody was and how that pressure was making everyone crack. It's 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 really uh, nice though that you compare it to like the spaceship stuff analogy, sure, because I feel like. If this movie had just been on a spaceship, I would have liked it. Because, like, firing lasers from a, like, you know, a TIE fighter on your ass or something like that is, like, instantaneous. Well, it here's, happens here's so quick. my beef with submarine movies. It's that they're, they're innately boring in their setting. There's only one way to show a submarine. There aren't, like, variations of the inside of a submarine. Yeah, there's it's, no windows there's outside. nothing. Yeah. It's all the same set dressing, and there's no empathy. There's zero empathy because these guys signed up for this. They are trained. They are all here for a specific function. 
versus something like a plane movie. A plane movie is always going to be interesting, or even a train movie, because everyone is on this as an individual. And you could be one of those people. I'm never going to be uh, an officer on a submarine. It's never going to happen. I'm just, it's, it's that, that ship has fucking sailed for me, so to speak. Could but, you uh, make the same argument about a military spaceship? You could, you could, but th there's a fantasy element to all of that to where I don't really know what the rules are. I'll just accept whatever they give me. Like I said, suspension of disbelief at that point, because anything they show you is a fact. Now there are laser swords in this. There are things that you ride around that look like half antelope, half yetis. What, whatever. So it's not fun, basically. It's, no. It's not yeah. fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not. a complete lack of fun. And it, there's only one way to show everything. Every submarine movie is confined to at least one to five scenes of a bunch of guys like tensely looking at each other and just sweating profusely while you hear a bunch of bing, bing, while an unseen enemy is hunting them down that may or may not fire a fucking torpedo. It's not unseen. It's on a tiny little radar sure. screen. That's a red dot. That's what you have. And it's just not interesting. I will say the movie is pretty damn good with its ensemble cast when it's not That's, in those scenes. That was the point I was going to make. It just It's a star-studded cast. And yeah. Everybody does such a great job of Character showing like, how they're falling apart. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that that was really fun to watch. I too. think where it becomes like a standard submarine movie is when the Aquila stuff starts happening. When that other submarine yeah. shows up. And right. then that's where it's like, okay, now we're a submarine. Before then, it's like, oh, this is kind of different than other submarine movies. I think the set is even different than most sets. Use. It's very big. Yeah. Uh, not there's, there's verticality to it, though. Yeah, there's verticality yeah. to it when they're in those corridors and shit. Yeah. Um, and it's shot very like whip panty and very quick and a lot of dutch lot of angles movement. and yeah a lot, a lot of interesting stuff happening there and i mean the the cast is not just gene hackman and and denzel, denzel washington yeah. it's like the height of their game because i've always liked them and just about everything they, they can elevate something by two notches out of ten no matter what they're in but having like character actors that are like cutting their teeth in their career like james gandolfini this is what five, six years before sopranos I think half the budget went to taking out his tea kettle breathing in and breathing out. The the, <laughs> the other half probably went to like the, the Coke budget for Don Simpson and Bruckheimer and Tony Scott. But basically, he, he is good in this movie. And Vigo, this is Vigo, not like early, early, because he had done a lot of weird art house movies before this. But he was doing a big, big, like, a big budget movie. And right after this, he does G.I. Jane in, like, 96, which is a Ridley Scott movie. So if you think about it, Vigo got his start with Scott, both Scotts, and James Gandolfini got his start with Tony Scott, because James Gandolfini is a standout in True Romance. He's the hitman that is trying to kill Patricia Arquette. He's got the best scene of that whole movie, I think. He's phenomenal in it. So these guys go on to become something big. And even, shit, Steve's on. Steve's on. And Ryan Phillippe's in this movie, completely uncredited. He, yeah. He's just one of the soldiers or one of the officers that's on the submarine that's like nervous. He's sitting in a bunk nervous. I don't think he says one word the whole thing. He's probably not even credited. But yeah, this thing is packed with like interesting faces. And, and then it's got like a little hits. Jason Robards at the end as a treat. Jason Robards just pops up at the end of the movie for what the, the, the court martial scene or whatever it is, the Grand Junction hearing. Yeah. And I think that's because Robards had been in Philadelphia with Washington the year before that. It was probably just like, a, hey, I'm doing this submarine movie. You want to be a part of this? And yeah, I'll be a part of that. And that's all it was. And we'll get to the end and all that. But what I loved was the, the uh, galley fire. The galley fire oh, scene. Okay, now. so I have something to say about the galley fire scene. Hey, 
there's that whole thing that with the the fat character dies right, and he kind of blames the fire on it, and then Gene Hackman says, "Well, it was his weight that killed him." Yeah, but that's just one of like three or four injuries in the movie that you don't see on screen, and you're like, right. "How did this person get hurt?" I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, well, you see the fire happening, and then when you see the the fat guy get hurt, he just comes down the hall and it's like bleeding from the mouth. Yeah, like, you're like, "What I, happened?" It's a yeah. fire. Yeah. No, well, they bother to show like 19 Dutch angles and people just running across yes. graded floors. Oh my God. I don't know well, if it's, it's a 90s thing or like military movie thing, but the Dutch angles. Oh my God. Everywhere. Well, it's I mean, like, it's a submarine. There's only so many ways you can show a, a straight hallway. I guess yeah, they're they like, well, let's put the and camera maybe up that's there. The intention was to try and create that feeling of chaos. You know? Sure. But it's which, still, like, if you're in a submarine, a fire is probably the worst thing to have happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> what, what I loved was like, this is a nuclear submarine and they're on the brink of war potentially and that someone used too much fucking grapeseed oil and like <laughs> almost exactly. sinks the thing and it's like what is this? And that, that's like the peak of act one by the right. way. Right. Yeah. Is this that's it, the cap. Is, is that fire scene it's just like it, it, it's so funny that you, you mentioned like there's like a hundred scenes or like a hundred cuts of just dudes running on yeah. grates. I feel like I saw the same shot list in that movie back to back to back to back to back. I feel like I saw the same shit yeah. just repeated for 30 minutes. I mean, everything in a submarine like visually is, is ubiquitous. There's nothing that looks different. I mean, even the kitchen, the galley scene. It's like, it looks like the rest of a fucking submarine. Well, I there mean, were pots and pans, Mike. Like, in a in a plane, though, you've got, like, the undercarriage, which is always, like, an interesting, you know, we can hide out here for a minute plot. You've got the cockpit. You have, like, you have all the kinds bathroom. of stuff. The bathroom's yeah. always going to be interesting in a plane yeah. because you have kind of a Hitchcockian, like, confinement to something. It makes it suspenseful. Always kind of like an overhead shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so tight, yeah. But basically, the fire scene is just in there to show that Gene Hackman is going to, what, pull off a maneuver, a drill, and, right. he, and he makes it a point to say, you don't pull off drills when everything's calm and, and good and dandy. You pull it off during a high moment of, of you know, of, of something happening to where you see how your guys react in the face of several things kind of being juggled in the air. Right. right. And you well, actually can sympathize with him. Sure. Like, yeah, he's right. actually right. He does make sense. Yeah. I think that happens over and over in the movie, though, in that, like, I... I know that he's supposed to be viewed like a villain, but like I didn't feel like he was that. I don't villain. think he is supposed he, to be viewed as well, a villain. Well, I just though. mean in the case of like comparatively to Denzel. Yeah. Like Denzel talks to the guy about the Silver Surfer, and Denzel is like very like he's liked by he's people. The, like he's not understanding one. He's yeah, the he family. He cares and, about I mean, how everyone the, feels. Like I said, I, 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 that's what I was saying yesterday too. Was like it's funny how he's painted as the caring family man. One and Gene Hackman makes a comment. That almost makes him look like a pedophile. Like he, he only kind cares of, about this fucking dog. He is kind dog. of painted as more of the villain as character. Yeah, compar- like, especially yeah. comparatively to Denzel. But at yeah. the end of the movie, I'm you're just still like, like, he actually was it, right about a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, it's though. like I don't, I don't, I don't dislike him. Like I feel like he's just an old head, I, I, and that was it. That's it. I think I think it's great casting. It, it's tricking the viewer into thinking, well, clearly Denzel's the good guy because it's Denzel Washington. Look how charming he is. And then that's got to be the bad guy because it's Gene Hackman. Before it was Gene, it was going to be, what, Tommy Lee Jones? Mm. They were trying to hire, like, just a fucking curmudgeon on film for that role. Curmudgeon. So it, we immediately... <laughs> it really does. It, oh, absolutely. We immediately <laughs> yeah. assume that Denzel has to be right. He is the good guy. Neither one of them are right. Neither one of them are wrong. And that's how the movie is wrapped up, basically. That's the bad guy is the dialectic between two different ideologies. 
Because the actual bad guys are not the Russians first and foremost. It's Russian rebels. And what I loved is in that beginning when it's sort of setting up like all the newsreel, you know, stock footage of like people marching and like like weapons being armed and all that. It cuts to one shot of the rebel leader. And instead of it just being like some guy they got like off the street that looked kind of Russian, it's fucking Kruger, like George's boss from Seinfeld, like the bad guy from Super Troopers. Right, yeah. And, and he's it's like, like I'll well, just bomb everybody. Yeah, like why, <laughs> yeah. why did they get him for that? Like they couldn't just find some asshole and pay him 20 bucks and clean him up and say, put on this coat, you're Russian now. So that takes some credibility out of the movie. But I guess that guy wasn't like a big name back in 95. It was a really popular like plot line at the time too right being yeah, Russian like the end of the, kibble, yeah. end of the civil war post, and post cold war yeah, yeah. yeah. Civil war, but yeah cold war it's still like we, it, we've got some guys that still have some gripes and the war's never going to end for them that was a big common thing and top gun that's a thing and i were talking to you about how metal gear solid takes a similar approach and there's a lot of other movies and media at the time like with nuclear weapons and how like it's not really a government entity but like there's a rebellion they get a hold of nuclear weapons there was like that real fear kind of globally at the time like terrorism with nuclear weapons it's a big thing that's and covered in terms in a of antagonists i mean the main thing is always going to be in the 90s of like you can't just flip a switch and make me stop being a soldier like you see that in the rock with ed harris of you right. want me to just not be a soldier anymore you're not going to give me a war to fight not give me a purpose well, I already have some gripes with you, and now I'm going to voice them and probably get some money out of this and threaten a lot of lives. It's right. a good thing we don't have to worry about any of this today. Oh, There's nothing. All right. So speaking of like who, uh, there yeah. was one other thing the Russians that I thought was interesting anymore. about that movie. Because we're talking about how it doesn't really paint either one of them as a good or bad guy and conflict of ideologies. But there is also like a really like intense racism like subtext in the movie did anybody else pick up on okay that? i want to talk about this because they bring up horses again yeah in the last that, in that last in that final mm -hmm. like climactic scene when right. he says all the horses are white and he says yeah but yeah. they're born black and you start to see a lot of shots of the two of them like right. juxtaposed and like across from i each was other. very confused about this because yeah basically says there's a portuguese breed of horse that is they're all white and they're perfect they're perfect horses they're the best trained horses on the planet and denzel basically says I am familiar with them and they're not Portuguese they're Spanish and they're born, and they're black. born black Yeah, and I'm sitting there squinting at the TV like do we need to also know Gene Hackman is racist to not like him at this point like does that also need to be a factor in the last act here like why didn't you just do that in the interview well it scene? just made you the, spent it the, honestly made the ending more confusing too because correct. at the court martial scene when they're like they kind of both come to an agreement with each other and say like oh you know we you, were both were, right. We were both. Yeah. You were both right, and you were both wrong. Like, well, if you're trying to draw this analogy, though, that like it's sort of a passing of the torch, like you know the what we've had in the past with you know white culture, like it, it seemed like it was trying to say something, and it never really got there. Well, there, there was a final joke where at the end they walk out of the courthouse, and Gene Hackman says, "You were right about one thing," and he says, "What's that?" And he says. Those horses are Portuguese or are Spanish. Yeah. And Denzel just kind of smiles and he's just like, my man. You know, and they walk <laughs> off and it's like, what ending is this? Like, right. No one like, goes to jail. A few people died out of a Bruckheimer, Don Simpson, like Tony Scott thing. Because those Bruckheimer Simpson movies, Christ, I mean, someone like 50 people die every 15 minutes in those movies. And I think what, like three people die in this? I mean, I know the Russian sub sinks and all that, but... There is not a body count. There's not a clear-cut good guy and bad guy in this. It's a very strange Don Simpson-Bruckheimer production for a 90s movie. Right. Water and fire 
kill more people on screen. Yeah. And I think that... Oh, that's probably what would happen. That's what you're worried about in the sub. I think that conflict between their characters at the end would have made more sense maybe if he had apologized to him. But maybe that's supposed to be his apology. That is his apology. Yeah, that's that's the apology, I think. But... I, I think at the time they have that conversation, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what they're trying to go with with the uh, born black thing, but the uh, he slaps him too, like two or three him. times. He yeah, punches him yeah. Twice in the like, face. There's yeah. a very much like a a drawing that picture there. Well, I think it's also showing the parallel with like you see Denzel boxing. You see like he's a pretty damn good fighter. He's got some kind of history with boxing, and then you see Gene Hackman, who's kind of just an old guy at this point, punching him in the face twice. And it's sh- it's showing you that Denzel could take this guy in a heartbeat, but he's right. refraining because if he does that, that whole room may devolve into just people shooting each other and no one's going to win there. It's all going to go to shit if he does this. So you he's have just to show buying time at that point. Correct. That's, mm-hmm. that's what everyone's doing. That's what Viggo Mortensen's doing. That's what he's doing. They're just buying time until the radio gets fixed so that they can yeah. see who is right. Yeah. Um, I mean, for a submarine movie, it's not bad. I was always bored to tears by these things. And this was why this movie was a blind spot for me for Tony Scott, Denzel Washington, and Gene Hackman. is because anytime I saw it available on streaming or whatever, I just couldn't be bothered by a submarine movie. The only thing that did interest me in this as a kid was someone had seen it and they said, there's a scene where a bunch of pressure builds. And I thought that he told me that a bolt fires out of a hole and goes through a guy's brain. And I wanted to see the movie for just for that. So I was excited <laughs> with the Steve Zahn scene because I'm like, here we go. And it's more like a plate that comes out and gets him in the yeah, face. Yeah, and it just breaks his nose or oh, he, something. Oh, he's dead. I mean, he's floating Oh, in that yeah, water. that's right. He's that's when he's trying to fix the... than a door that's right, yeah. But I, I was, was thinking really of the guy hoping, trying to fix the radio, not, not Steve Zahn's character. Yeah, I was really hoping for like a full-on just right through the head. Like that's what a bolt would do in a submarine. And I didn't even get that from it. But this, out of all submarine movies, this is probably... This is probably tops, I guess, because this is going to be heresy, but Hunt for the Red October is kind of shit. It's a boring movie. It's boring. It's this got a good, good cast like this, but it's not as exciting It was an all-star cast, and everybody. I think it was really well-directed. It is. It is yeah. a really well-directed movie, and I couldn't help but feel like you can see how other movies that came later, like Titanic, you know, and armageddon and like other movies like are going into the 2000s like you could see where the influence came from i think in the way that it's directed how it's very character driven and they're all you know you you see who they are in the beginning and then they start to crack under the pressure of doing this job and they always get interesting character actors in these too i mean and you you get your your big big cast you pay a lot of money to but then you stack everything below that with big like capable character actors, like everyone that would go on to become something. I mean, look at Armageddon. Like you've got Bruce Willis and you've got Ben Affleck at the height of their game. Even Billy Bob Thornton to some extent, but every single other person in that movie is someone of notice. I mean, is a character actor. Even yeah. people just in the street, Which is like, really oh, is, an asteroid. Like, for being it's kind of like a, a movie that's kind of under the radar, no pun intended. But it, Jesus. you really. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Can we move it, on? It was really a surprise. It was a surprise how many people were in that movie. Like, a, yeah. It really helped. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Worth a watch? Yeah, I think so. I, re- I liked it. I liked I, it. Um, yeah. Can, uh, can I do just one bit of the soundtrack um, for yeah. this movie and every Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer movie? Yeah, go ahead. Are you ready? 
Every one of them is like that. Bad, that was Hans Zimmer. It's Hans Zimmer. Bad Hans Boys, Zimmer. The Rock, this movie, and a few others. Every single one of those movies has the exact same score. Yeah, I, I did like the like the choral music when they were going down. Yeah, um, that was good. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and speaking of when they were going down, um, so they didn't have uh, U.S. Navy approval uh, to use any any of their ships or anything when going into this. They did initially because they pitched it as like 2001 in a submarine where there was a, uh, they when they told the Navy what they were going to do with it, it was going to be like a machine that has gone rogue and it's going to fire nuclear missiles. That's what they told them the movie was going to be about. And so they let them come on board and let them follow around like an XO and see what they did. That's how they kind of researched what everything, yeah. you know, and they took reference photos of the submarine but then, like, when they sent him a revised drift uh, script where you see, like, what it is now, they were like, no, that this is not, doesn't make the Navy look good because a mutiny aboard a U.S. Navy ship is, is not something we're going to approve. So they don't let them use any of the any of their stuff, any of their toys, uh, submarines or anything. So That's when, why it looked like a bathtub. The, no. So when they're going, the shot where they're going down, that is a real U.S. Navy vessel, uh, a U.S. Navy submarine. So when they're sitting up in the top thing, smoking cigars, that one's not. That's a real one. That one's not. Okay. Okay. But when they were trying to get it going down, uh, they were kind of staking out the headquarters where they were shipping out the submarine, and they're like, "Well, they can't say anything if we're if we just get footage of them shipping out to sea because it's in public view." So they were just waiting for something to come out. And the one that comes out, they get a call, they get in helicopter, they get in boats, and they follow it out to kind of get it going out. And it just so happens to be the real-life USS Alabama, which is a complete coincidence. And so they're, like, falling down, and the uh, captain of the Alabama gets on the radio and is like, Stop filming us. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. And, and, they, and to get him away from him, he submerges, which is the shot they were going for anyway. So Damn, that's, I want to see that That's movie. how they get that. Yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. see that movie. That would be a better movie, I think. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, all in all, it was, uh, it's not a bad watch. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I saw it. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's something that's really worth a rewatch. Or... Yeah, I probably won't rewatch it again. But I think the, the cast makes it worth it. And there's also something to just the thrill in that it being kind of even though it's a made up story, how close we've come to actually bombing ourselves. Like yeah. that real story, like the truth of that has it's probably like, happened so many times. What's it like on the, on board for the U- Cuban missile crisis? Right. right exactly. You know? Like, I mean, this is, this was essentially it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Basically it was exactly. that, the movie. Right. Yeah. Th- this mm-hmm. is almost kind of like, um, a, a 90s fied version of Dr. Strange love with a lot more Coke and, uh, you know, color. Um, okay, I want you to slap it. Just basically, slap it. it's like a like a Jack D. Ripper kind of thing all over again. Except the difference is, is in Doctor Strange Love, the cockpit of the bomber was so accurate that like the U.S. Air Force had to come and be like, "You can't show that shit." Like that's literally every button and switch that's in our planes. You can't show that. And this was more like. I don't know, just make something up. The U.S. Navy's not being compliant whatsoever. So just get a fucking submarine toy, and then we'll put some bells and whistles in here, and everyone look tense for 40 minutes. I, I, I didn't even know that, you know, they the military has their own script supervisors for anything that has to do with yeah, the if U.S. You need military. To, if you want to use any of their vehicles, you have to... Right. Yeah, they got to okay it, which they okayed something like Top Gun because it's like PG-13. It's not offensive. And it's also... 
gung ho America. Oh, I mean, it's so say, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had guys great. signing up. Yeah. There's a reason you always see the U.S. military portrayed that way. Air Force never loves really... volleyball. This is like a breakdown <laughs> and chain of command just kind of represents them at their worst. Right. So they're like, no, don't. Yeah. That's no. true, but it, it's I guess it paints it in a good picture too. It they, does. They make the right choice and they yeah. prevent nuclear war. So it does. But like, I, I, the interview I saw with like the the screenwriter was like every time he'd in, uh, he'd be talking to the captains and stuff, trying to do research, and he would present these scenarios to them. Uh, like the producers would all be like, "Yeah, that sounds fucking awesome," and then the the captains would just be like white in the face, like I don't because they're thinking about their guys on ship, their boys, and if. You know, right? Like the worst case scenario happens, and like you don't want a mutiny to happen. There's a lot of pressure. You know that and, that, that, yeah. that part where Denzel basically tells Gene Hackman, he says like, I'm just saying, you know, the, the guys they're under a lot of pressure right now, and the morale is low. Picks up the intercom and just he says, says, "I'll take care of it." And he's like, "Anyone who doesn't like what's going on right now can leave the ship right now." I would have loved if they just like hard cut to one guy who just kind of looked looked around and said. But we're underwater. <laughs> it was ironic that he has a he he has a conversation with him like right before that scene too, right where he talks about how like we can't we can't argue fight in front of the men. And yeah, then he goes, and then proceeds to do that exact fucking thing and absolutely make him look like a bitch in front of everyone. Right, There's like, like guys everywhere. There's no privacy on that fucking. Which I guess was really just pulls his dick out and pisses on his shoe. Yeah, dude, right. the dog's pissing yeah. on the yeah, submarine exactly. while he's trying. I to guess have it was him. supposed I'm just to be more like, like, oh, you don't question me in front of the men. When his That's dog, when his yeah. dog's pissing, I'm just thinking like it's right next to the grates. Someone's just walking down there. And <laughs> yeah. Piss starts falling through he, the drain. He pisses into the galley yeah. and it causes a fire. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah, someone just slips and like their head hits a switch to launch a nuke. You okay, soldier? Can I tell you? It's, yes, sir. It's one thing to like, watch an alien kill somebody, and it's another thing to watch a group of men just drown. What, like, what is it? What is it with the Scott brothers and like having a ship? And having a fucking animal on a ship that shouldn't be there. Like an alien, there's the cat, there's Jones. Right. And then this is like, I don't know, Gene Hackman's got to have some kind of like. It's funny, I never really. A dog, a little dog. It's yeah. almost like he did that intentionally. It's like a. Ah, this is some sort of signature. Like, I felt like it was just one more thing to hate his character with. Probably. This, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I felt like it was probably like, was oh, that of simple. Of course, his dog yeah. It's probably just a coincidence, but it is funny that. Yeah, he had the cat, and then his brother has the dog on the submarine. Yeah, maybe it was some kind of inside joke. But I think you're right. Like, if Hackman had, like, a fucking, like, a German shepherd or something, something of of command, then that would be interesting, I guess, but it would be a little cliched. But he would look like a Nazi officer at that point. He's got a rat dog. Having a little rat dog, yeah, just makes him that much more, like, unlikable. Yeah, especially because the dog is seen pissing Pissing, on the ship. Right. Also, is it weird that like I when you were talking about that scene where he gets hit and you wanted to see the bolt go through his head yeah. and everything? Like, I would so much rather watch that than watch them drown. Does anybody else struggle to watch that? I mean, drowning sure. has got to be like one of the worst ways to die. I can't watching that. Watching Titanic, I will give that to the thrill of the submarine no, movie no, on the ship. I yeah, I don't, I don't give a shit about anything. I don't no. care. No, it's just me. I guess. Yeah, it's just people. I want to drown. <laughs> Um, so Crimson Tide's not bad. Uh, it's, it's worth a watch if you, uh, like Gene Hackman or Gandolfini or Mortensen or Washington or any of that. Um, people seem to like it. You want to see people uh, get sprayed with water in the face before every shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a wet movie. You know, Uh, they didn't, I didn't notice that 
anyone really got sweaty until after the submarine battle. And then, like, it cuts to Viggo Mortensen, and he's just fucking drenched. I mean, it's, it gets to a point where it seems like every single character is just completely so yeah it's like yeah, how it's hot is it, it it's like 50 movie. degrees but everyone's going through coke <laughs> <laughs> everyone's going to a trough uh so the movie it made 159 million dollars um and it came out the same weekend as uh everyone's favorite uh the englishman who went up a hill but came down a mountain uh, what <laughs> do you not remember this that's no. a fucking title they, they, yeah there's there were these like weird like vague british like overwinded titles in the 90s and it's like oh look british british people make movies too look how silly they are with their names it was almost like a monty python convention of like monty python on the holy grail it was it was too much like on a poster um but i mean is it slapstick comedy like that no 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 but i mean like this and like waking ned divine were like the two big like it's about older British people like living in Scottish moors or something, and it's like something Ugh. that Martin McDonough would make now, but not funny and rated PG. It sounds but boring. Just listening. It, to oh god, it. I, yeah, it has to be. So the less boring thing was a submarine movie, and everyone went to go see it. This came out um, the weekend before uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance and Braveheart. So it's scooping another. Braveheart came out on the same weekend as Die Hard with a Vengeance? No, the next two. Uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance came out the following weekend, and then Braveheart came out the very Okay, next but still weekend. within a couple weeks so of each the, other. Yeah, these That's were all. Wild. These were all Dude, this thing almost time. got buried. Oh, absolutely. It almost got absolutely yeah, buried. So <laughs> it, probably, it probably dipped in those few weeks yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Like, a, like a submarine. Sorry. What, in what month was this? I hate me. I, what Mike? What month too, did you say this was? I think this was June. Or June. July, okay, yeah. so it was summer. That makes sense yeah, too. These were all summer yeah. movies, and I mean, one was a big Oscar movie. I mean, I'm sure that it, it probably did as well as it did with Die Hard coming out the next week because no one thought Die Hard three was going to be good. But John McTiernan came back from the first movie and made probably the only other great Die Hard movie, the third one with a vengeance. So um, also, John McTiernan did Hunt for the Red October, so he was. Basically competing with another, like the other director that made the quintessential modern submarine movie. So yeah, this movie did really, really well for what it was. I can't imagine the budget is that big. Uh, it's not not an action movie, if that's what you're looking for. It's certainly not an action movie. I mean, it's probably one of those deals where it went mostly to the stars. I mean, this is netting two huge stars. I mean, this is Hackman... Hell, I guess 10 years before he retires, too. Yeah. So this is a big, big performance from Hackman. One of the last, like, big ones we get in a huge blockbuster. And he is really great in it, too. He, he is. is watching him and Denzel are both really yeah, worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, worth a watch. Um, I don't know. Anything else? Nah. Eh. Nah. Submarines. <laughs> All right, move on. Ooh, my little buddy sleeping like a baby. You won't mind if I take a bite of his crispity, crunchity peanut. I told you, Homer. Nobody better lay a finger on my butterfinger. The Simpsons. I just got a cease and desist email. Fuck. I know. I, you know what? I know that better than I know the fucking Fox shit we did earlier. Really? Yeah. The fucking dumb yeah. Guy. I do too. I totally yeah. forgot that shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it doesn't really play anymore. 
Yeah, anyway. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. Who asked, but go ahead. And uh, I mean, you probably did hear it more. There's a There was a period where everybody this, watched yeah. The Simpsons. I so. heard The Simpsons intro twice a day, every weekday, from right. 5 to 6 o'clock. And I heard the Fox thing maybe on a Friday night when I rented something. So. Right. Yeah, uh, this time we're doing uh, Simpsons Season 4, uh, Episode 17, Last Exit to Springfield, in which uh, the dental plan gets taken away at the nuclear power plant, and Lisa needs braces. Uh, it's a great episode. Yeah, what'd you guys think? It's It was honestly really funny to me how much, not just how much of the episode that I remembered, but how much of the episode to this day, like, I still joke about like if someone talks about the simpsons i probably would say a joke from that episode yeah. like it hits a lot of points and it's a episode. joke a minute at least yeah and there was a lot of really good ones that i really remember like i love the part when they're doing the the union meeting and there's the guy that's like not me and he's like who keeps saying that like it was him yeah Let's it's, get it's it. this guy that looks like don Knotts, and it's next <laughs> yeah. to like arnold schwarzenegger yeah, this real nebbish dude they yeah. do that the the when lisa gets the braces they do the whole batman tim burton thing or the mirror like yeah. uh, there's a lot of moments in that episode where we're like man this is a really really strong this episode. is this is simpsons at its prime. it was really kind of at its best yeah yeah, yeah it opens with uh mcbain uh which i, I think <laughs> right. this is the so this good. is the first mcbain appearance i think on simpsons is and, it yeah it's the very first and it, it, it's a bad guy in a room full of like other evildoers and he says they've developed uh, a, a synthetic drug called swank which is 10 times more addictive than marijuana <laughs> which I, don't, yeah. I guess i probably didn't get that as a kid but it's, it's fucking good writing but then, yeah mcbain bursts out of like like a like a naked a frozen statue a frozen yeah. statue that doesn't fit his yeah. body yeah. at all no <laughs> it's like an hourglass figure like frozen woman and he bursts out of it and he's like 400 pounds muscle with like an m60 machine gun not only does he mow down that all the bad guys pounds. but he mows down all of the civilians well, in the room he, he says he says ice to meet you which is like an, yeah. but here's here's what's great is is that he's spoofing arnold and arnold literally says, says ice to meet that. you in batman and robin as Mr. Or he's, he said, what's that one line that he says, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice, ice Age! And yeah. then, like, shoots the brontosaurus or something. Awful. So, so I, <laughs> yeah. I've actually, like, maybe seen two Simpsons episodes in my life. Really? I've never watched Oh, man, Simpsons. you missed out. Yeah, yeah, I've never watched it. Just never, it just wasn't on TV when I'm watching TV. Growing up as a kid, never really watched it. Yeah. Fucking loved it, by yeah. the way. The start of it. So it's so funny coming off a of Crimson Tide and thinking, man, this movie is fucking dull. I, there I is say not that, a lot of action. There is not a lot happening. I would say a car accident's funny coming off Crimson Tide. <laughs> <laughs> the, first, the first 30 seconds or so of this episode with that fucking McBain dude. Yeah. He comes out and he it is violent. It's really like, violent. It's really yeah. fucking yeah. violent. And it is so good it starts off so fucking strong and like you're saying there's like so many just joke after joke, joke after, after joke, joke. Yeah. and it's making it you know it's such an old episode even but but i'm watching it for the first time and i feel like it's still relevant yeah like these it's it's timeless sure in that it just holds up really well the cartoon itself holds up really well but yeah, I fucking I really liked it. It's, yeah, it's excellent. And, and basically, um, Mr. Burns. This is a Mr. Burns centered episode where they're really, really showcasing Mr. Burns. Not like it's a side bit character doing one joke here and there, but I mean, it. It he is 
evil itself and this it opens with him sitting at his desk watching a like a window washer <laughs> hanging from yeah. the window washing unit <laughs> and he just shuts the blind laughing yeah. while yeah. the guy falls to his death they also do, there's so many there, there was yeah. there were a bunch of jokes in this episode too that become running gags in the show if they weren't already like that was a really strong one where he's like simpson and he's like he he he, he you hit his kid with the, your car yeah do you i know this, this man, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> and he's like that yeah, doesn't ring a bell. His wife painted you in the nude, and he's like, "Doesn't ring a bell." Yeah, yeah, but yeah, basically they they're trying to cut cost, and he takes away the dental plan from their from the union, and uh, Lisa needs braces. And one of the best bits is when they go to the dentist, and basically the dentist says, "This is this is uh, the big book of British smiles." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just it's like it was a Prince Charles and like the Queen and a few other people. But it these people in the book, the teeth are so so exaggerated. It's almost like when you see those close ups in Ren and Stimpy. You know, like how awful, like when they really zoom in on something and it's, it's just like, like hyper detail. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. one still shot and it, it's just like an abstract painting almost. It's so fucking bad. But they, then they show like a time lapse of Lisa's teeth and they said, this is Lisa now. Yes. This is Lisa in two years and she's just snaggled tooth. And this is Lisa yeah. at 14. And like you can tell it's starting to like go up through her upper lip. So I, I told Mike this, but it's like when you're playing a Bethesda game in the character creation and you just turn all yeah. sliders. Yeah. All yeah. sliders up. But by 18, the tooth has like pierced part of her brain. It, like, an, like an eye is sealed shut from the pressure that the oh, man, all I could tooth. think in that she's moment, in it was like, man, if we can get deep fake technology to the point where like you could just show any kid that, like here's what you're going to look like in 10 years. Every kid will brush their teeth every night. for like, Every night. And uh, like, speaking of yeah. like the dentist, his introduction, when he's like uh, uh, treating that kid, and he's he's it's like, did you brush your teeth? He's like, <laughs> with Ralph, yes. Ralph. Yeah. yeah, with Ra- Ralph, <laughs> three times a day. He's like, you lie. Why did you turn my office into an office full of lies? Yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, that's how it felt when you're going to the dentist as a kid. Like, yeah, no, yeah, like, as a kid, it still feels that way. Yeah, it's still I the, still have the same conversations. My uncle's with my dentist, and I I have those conversations every time. He's like, yeah, nope, you didn't, you missed this one right back there, Every single experience of the dentist, I feel like there's always two things that they always do and it's almost like it's an inside joke with a dentist they make you feel guilty and they always try to start conversation with you when what? your yeah. mouth is wide open. Yeah. Like, it's well, the weirdest thing. Mouth. They're yeah. like, so, did you watch the game last night? And you're like, oh, yeah. Uh, you're not uh, used to chewing uh, and talking with rocks in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, man. listeners. That's um, how I wore down my teeth. But, <laughs> but the, the dentist is basically like, if he was older, if he was decrepit, you would just assume he, like, worked at a concentration camp or something. Because he has, like, this this like officer German officer attitude about everything. But yeah, you're right. Like whenever I go to the dentist, it doesn't matter what they say or what I say. I could say I drink fucking crest every morning, a big tall glass of it. And I water pick and I brush three times a day and they go, yeah, but you got to floss though. You got to floss more <laughs> right. because none of that stuff is getting what floss will do. And it's like, it doesn't matter what you well, say. I did also, the, have I you did screened the day before I came? Also, have you done your oral yeah. cancer screening this year? Looks like you haven't oh, done it in 14 months. You're going to get mouth cancer. Yeah. Okay. Michael, Sorry. do you floss like every day? And like I can just taste a whole throat full of blood from them touching one spot on my gum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I no. did. I did like really identify with her getting braces and everything though. Oh, yeah. I had them. Yeah. I had them. And I, I remember 
you know, it feels like you might as well have this entire contraption like wrapped 100%. around your skull because it just affects you every fucking day. Oh, every God. time yeah. you're eating, every time you're talking, anything. It's just caught on your lips. It's fucking cutting your mouth up. Yeah. And every time you got to go get that shit swapped out, new wire, whatever. You're like, Titans. are they yeah. wrenching this shit yeah. in here? Yeah, it hurts. Like, Jesus. I feel He's like, like I got to cut out some of your jawbone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We just, it's going to be a small fix. We just got to wrench your fucking teeth forward and jab your skull it, just in the right direction. It now was you're like fine. going to the fucking Tower of London every time I needed my braces tightened. I feel like there were always like rain clouds over the office. You know, like London after the war. Those are the only memories I have of going to the orthodontist is just cloudy clouds. and rain. <laughs> cloudy, rainy yeah. day. Pure dread in the pit of your stomach. Yes. Because it's like, usually oh, always oh, in the morning, too, probably, yes, right? It's like, like 8 a.m. That's when the only time they ever have an appointment open. You start your so, appointment at 8 a.m. and you're like, okay, well, uh, I'm going to go to school, right? So, no, you're going. Oh, back. you're definitely going, going after. after. They, say, they say that's when your nerve endings are most alert at 8 a.m. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyways, they basically say like, okay, you're gonna have braces. So here are your options. With with insurance, you can have these clear, painless braces that uh, occasionally release a Calvin Klein tooth cologne, yeah. and he sprays it like right in her face, and it's just so nice. And she goes, I don't have any insurance. He goes, Then you get these, and he pulls out like this thing from Saw. You know, like it, it literally right. has like strips of flesh hanging off of it. And, and he, he says, uh, these were made before stainless steel, so you can't get them wet. <laughs> it's a great bit, man. It's uh, the what the quickness of it, the timing yeah. of that joke. Like, like, like he was ready for it. Yeah. Like he was hoping that would be the case. He's a sadist completely. Yeah, he's thrilled that yeah. he gets to jab this into her skull. Yeah. But basically it, it goes to uh, Mr. Burns. It shows a flashback of him as a kid. Which that, also how fucking old is he because that's like 1909 I, I wanted to talk about that because <laughs> the, the show is 35 years old now I think it's in its 35th year at this point so it's like they keep making references that he's already like 104 but <laughs> yeah. I guess they keep moving the timeline up because I remember there's an episode where it's spoofing Citizen Kane it's about Boo Boo as bear so it's doing kind of a 1930s 1920s thing right and that's who he's effectively supposed to be right is like the the, yeah, Foster King. The baron, yeah. Indus, like industry baron from like the 1920s. But it's a nuclear like, power plant, correct. right? So yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so basically, it shows him in 1909 with his dad touring his dad's atom smashing plant they had. <laughs> and there's a there's a child laborer who comes up and they search his pockets. And like with a magnifying glass, he sees six atoms he's smuggling <laughs> yes, out of there. Right. <laughs> so, so basically, he like has these fucking cronies, these goons, drag the kid off. And the, the kid's yelling something about like how it, Japanese industrialization will put you out of business one day. And he scoffs and says like... These sandal wearing uh, goldfish mongers or whatever. It's a gr it's a great like all the Burnses have the same weird like eclectic specific humor. Uh, but yeah, that that's a great moment. Um, anything with Mister Burns as a child like completely explains who he is as a person. Uh, so that's a good bit. The Adams in the pocket. Yeah, that one really yeah. got me too. Like he can't even have lint in his pockets. <laughs> right. So yeah. So basically, like Homer and uh, Lenny and Carl and all the like the the plant workers, they they have a union meeting to try to get like their dental plan back. And I think Carl's like leading the union meeting and says, you know, unfortunately the the union leader, no one's seen him for a few days, so let's all keep him in our thoughts and prayers that he shows up alive and well. And everyone just like laughs. 
<laughs> everyone, everyone like laughs as a bit. That's right. And then you see like, like the the football field. Like, yeah. At the bottom of the yeah. Air. It's just like it's like one of those Looney Tunes like burst through a wall like complete cutouts of a body, yeah. but it's just like perfectly symmetrical under the field with like a flower growing out of it. Yeah, and there's yeah. literally a game going on in the background. <laughs> it's it's pretty great. Um, but yeah. It, I mean, the rest of the episode is basically just them picketing uh, and Lisa having her braces. Well, they, think, they lose the dental plan, but they did gain a keg of beer. They get a keg of beer. It's funny that you say it because that was the point I wanted to make, too. I, one of the things I don't ever remember about watching that episode before was the way the episode, it points out like how necessary like the union is and like what it does for the benefits of the workers, but it also makes fun of the unions, too. It kind of pokes fun at everything. Like, I love how... The union is so corruptible that they're like willing to sacrifice everything. Just oh, to yeah. does, it, does it pay anything? No, unless you're corrupt. Yeah. 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 Organized crime. Yeah. He imagines yeah. walking through the godfather. Yeah. 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 They're, just, they're just giving him donuts as bribes. Yeah. Shaking yeah. people down for oh, Great. Yeah. Well, I, I love it when uh, Smithers and Burns, I mean, Smithers is up there like the Grinch, like listening to Whoville. He's like oh, yeah. slithering around the up adaptation of like, yeah, that's right. He does the poem and everything. But he says Smith, Smithers bring in the strike breakers to bust some heads, and they bring in like Grandpa Simpson and his old cronies. And they say we, we can't bust, oh bust heads, but we're that... like we used to. But we can we can bore them with stories that go nowhere. <laughs> yes, that honestly might have been my favorite moment in the entire episode. His story because I love how it doesn't cut away, and no. you have to listen to this story. Yeah, he, he says. He, what, what does he say? He says like. Yeah, there was this one time I had to go to Shelbyville, but back then it was called Masonville. Masonville I had to take the ferry to Shelbyville to get a heel from a shoe. And of course I had a belt, or I had an onion on my belt at the time, because that was the fashion at the time. But none of those white onions because of the war, so we had the big yellow onions. (laughs) And the funny thing is, like, I just saw some picture on the internet the other day about people wearing onions. And I realized, like, I think that is actually true. Is that a true thing? I think it really is true. Yeah. Well, the the best bit, he says, I only had one nickel in my pocket at the time. (laughs) But back then, it was a picture of a bumblebee on it. So you would hear things like, I'll give you five bees for one quarter. Yeah. And Burns is just, he couldn't be more bored. Like, even he, he has his chin just in the palm. And he's just, like, half going to sleep the entire time. That's a great moment. And then Smithers and Burns, they decide, like, we don't need any workers here. We can just run the plant by ourselves. So it has, like, this whole, like, nice, uplifting like, little montage where they're dancing and prancing around the plants. And they're, like, pulling levers and doing, like, soft toe on top of the control panels. Oh, my God. I think I was in tears in the moment where they they go down into, like, the control room and they go through all the locked doors that requires Oh, the, the get smart, yeah. <laughs> and then they go into the room and, like, there's a wild dog in there and a back door. Yeah. This is, like, broken the, open. There's a screen <laughs> door that's just hanging off its hinges and, like, this puppy's walking yeah. in. And he says, oh, for God's sake. And he just kicks the puppy away. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he goes through, like, 15 doors, like, get smart style. Yeah, that's great. I, I love at the end of like the little montage, though, uh, they go back to the office, uh, Burns' office, and they have like these giant boxes that say robot workers 100% loyal, and they're opening them with a crowbar, and it just does a hard cut to like Smithers running down a corridor holding Burns with his arms around his neck, and the robots are coming after him saying, crush, kill, kill. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's such a great moment, man. Is there, maybe I'm wrong, but was there a moment in the episode two where... Um, Smithers 
there's like a sexual innuendo with him and Burns because it becomes a big running joke later on that he's really attracted to Mr. Burns. Oh, it's right? already in the show. But, that, yeah, but. I yeah. feel like there's a moment in the episode where it's really subtle and it's still kind of like it feels like it's a developing joke at that point. But I can't remember what part of it. There's the innuendo where he's making a deal with Homer and he's like, I will you make a backdoor deal and Homer's like <laughs> yeah, Is he coming right. on to me? Coming on? <laughs> yeah. I am not like that, sir. <laughs> yeah. He says, Now don't get me wrong, I am curious, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um I was looking some stuff about they said that the producers tried to get several celebrities to play the orthodontist and it was Anthony Hopkins and Clint Eastwood. Uh, but they did not want to do it. They finally got Anthony Perkins to do it, who uh, is famous for Psycho. But Anthony Perkins passed away right before they recorded the episode. Oh, so man. They just, I think Hank Azaria just said, I, I'm already doing 90 voices. I'll do this one, too. Of course, they went with the you know, Psycho Killer yeah. voice. <laughs> yeah. And like on, on, So when they did the smart line bit, when Homer's on the panel to talk and uh, Dr. Joyce Brothers and all that's on there, they were trying to get O.J. Simpson to be a part of that. But he turned it down and the producers like breathed a huge sigh of relief because right after that is when the trial for O.J. started. So that would have been a bad thing to have him on The Simpsons right before. I mean, this is literally like when the last Naked Gun movie is about to release. I mean, it's releasing, I guess, three months later. So OJ had already been doing some projects, and then the murder thing happened, and the trial happened in 93. So, yeah, they, he, this would have been the only Simpsons appearance he would have done. Yeah. You can hear it? Yeah. Okay. One sec. Garrett, you say something. I like the song that uh, Lisa did. Is is kind of a proper yeah. It had this real protest. like Bob Dylan vibe to yeah, it. 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. What is the song that Carl then comes up to her and is like, play? Uh, oh, it's classical. Um, <laughs> God, what was it? Classical Quest or something? Because it was a real song, but I can't. I think it, it is I think a real they're song. playing America, uh, the band America. It's one of their songs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that no, it's it's got a nice hook to it. Like yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you may have the plant, but we got the power. We got the power. Yeah, yeah it's it's a great episode. I mean, it it you're right. This is like the height of the Simpsons. I mean, this is kind of coming off of like the Zucker Brothers movies with Airplane and Naked Gun, where if you're listening, if you're paying attention, you get a joke every ten seconds or yeah. so. I mean, it's genius writing. I'm I mean, not I gonna think, lie. Yeah, maybe it was maybe it was against the rules, but I think I then watched the next like two episodes after that it's one. It's not against the it. rules. We may never roll well, Simpsons ever I mean, again. So that's that's true. <laughs> but I just I, you know I forgot how punchy it is. Listen, so I was like if, I gotta watch a few of these. The shit that we're doing gets you to watch '90s stuff. Then that's a good thing because there's <laughs> there's good stuff in the '90s, and that's why we're doing the fucking podcast. Well, so that's true. If it this is. gets you to watch The Simpsons, maybe don't watch past like what season 15 or so but it will maybe get, it even does get, i think season eight's worse so it does get to a point where it feels redundant right yeah like they've already done all of their own jokes how many times can the marriage almost fail between marge and homer well how that's many... what that's what felt so great is because like i have no frame of reference yeah. hardly for this show and i'm saying it basically for the first time yeah. you really don't have to start at the beginning or anything yeah i'm like oh this is what it's like if a show like family guy is good and we just spent the last what 15 minutes talking about dentists and how that experience really it really hammers that home it's amazing how the show still really resonates that's like, what I mean. it, yeah it feels yeah. timeless i like i felt like this could have been released other than like obviously like the quality of just like how crisp everything is. And some of the jokes but, are age specific. Yeah. Right? They, some, yeah, some, some, but, some are age specific, but I mean like I could watch this on TV 
today, and I, I would think nothing of it. I wouldn't think, right. oh, well, this is a time capsule. Still hilarious. No. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, I think that says a lot about it. If you can look at this episode, and if no one told you what year this came out, I mean, this could be 90, this could be 99. I mean, it's really hard to say because the animation is very sharp. The Simpsons have always had, like, very clear lines with their drawing and their animation. And the joke, it's just good writing. I mean, that's the heart of the show is good writing versus, like, current events because you look at things like South Park and what that became. I mean, the whole hook of that show is they did it in a week, so they can literally cover a topic that just happened. And that is really entertaining for some people, but it's also kind of outdated within three years. You look back at that and go, it's the episode about what? About a Karda- one of the Kardashians and how they have like a new reality show or something? Like I, I don't even get the reference anymore. But right. The Simpsons is just good writing. I mean, at least it was. I, I don't I don't know. I really don't have a frame of reference for what it's been the last 15 years. I remember yeah, the last time I tried to watch it was probably like three or four years ago. And they had like contemporary stuff in it. So they talk about social media. They have cell phones in it. But I think what it was really lacking was new material it's sort of like it was a new age but it felt like they were doing the same things they had already done yeah so it it was almost like they had run out of their own things to talk about more or less i will say this that family guy uses the whole cutaway thing the whole um but simpsons uses it a little bit a little bit i I noticed in in this episode but but they aren't wasn't like every 30 it's not relying upon that but what simpsons does instead is they had this entire town. They had this entire ensemble to where, where, whose joke should this be? If it's about this, then maybe this is a Mo joke. If it's about this, then maybe it's a, it's a, a groundskeeper Willie joke. That's what they have their cutaways be. They have a person come in and do one line, and they've got so many to go with there. And that's probably why it's not as fresh as it was at the time, just because so many of the characters are caricatures, yeah. and now they probably just feel like they can't do some of them. Or that they're just not as funny as they were back in the 90s. Yeah, I, I guess some of that stuff is kind of played like out. Like the Bumblebee Man or like yeah. or the Italian chef guy. Right. Uh, <laughs> but. I mean, there was that whole thing with, uh, who is it, Apu? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, like, mm-hmm. did they retire him? There, there was something with him. Or I don't know. I vaguely remember I, that now. But it was yeah, a yeah, while ago. But it was like maybe early 2010s or something where they were doing something different with the character because he was you know like offensive clearly just yeah yeah i, well, yeah, I think they just said like we're just not going to have him on the show anymore yeah, i mean I think of something like it, that. it's not like it's about we need to get an actual indian person to do a poo's voice i mean it's the same five people doing hundreds of voices yeah so it's like look we, it's not yeah. like we don't have other characters right? i mean it's not like he lives in the simpsons household we just won't show a poo at the quickie mart anymore yeah so i yeah i mean that's, got that's so a, many characters that's an easy remedy but yeah, there's just so much to draw from there. Um, I mean, really, the jokes kind of write themselves because you just have to figure out what the element of the joke is and then who would be most befitting to say it. Yeah. And instead of Family Guy relying on the cutaway thing, which is funny, it's its own right. Uh, it's funny. There but... was a time for it. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Fa- yeah. Family well, Guy does the cutaway, cutaways like as as just bits and not as storytelling. And Simpsons. It's like right. sketches. Yeah, right. Simpsons right. uses them as storytelling. Yeah, it's, you know. it's, it's more like Gonzo storytelling, Family yeah. Guy. I mean, you're, you're not really watching it for the, the, the like arch plot of the show or anything like that. You're watching it for the bits, mainly. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, the Simpsons episodes, it is about something. Like, that episode was about the union and how that was necessary for their health care. And something that is generally relatable to most people, yeah. right? 
Yeah. So what what did you think overall? Of The Simpsons? Yeah, of the episode. What'd That's you think? a great episode. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to say, like, it's one of the great episodes because I think they're all kind of that quality at that point. I mean, in and around that time... For seasons before and seasons after it, they, it is solid throughout. I mean, there really isn't a bad one. But I do remember seeing this one quite a bit as a kid and always really, really liking it. I mean, this is one of those episodes where I I would turn down going outside and playing with a friend because I preferred this one. But something like um, like this and Treehouse of, of Terror, like the ones that you always watch. You're not going to not watch these episodes. Right. Yeah. But if it was like a Marge-centered episode or like a Lisa-centered episode, I was a little less enthused. Um, well, you're a little boy at the time. I was right? a little boy, but I mean, like, they're still funny, but they're less ensemble. And this episode gives a lot of screen time to a little bit of everybody. Not so much Bart or anything like that, but characters that are funny when they're on screen. Because all the Bart stuff's a little dated. I mean, it's him saying, I, Caramba, and do the Bart Man, and whatever else. It's funny, because I think I generally liked more the episodes that were focused on the Simpson family and yeah. the ones where other characters were at the center, which the show does a lot later on, yeah. are the less interesting episodes. What do you think? Um, I'm kind of in the... Uh, I did like it a lot, but I th- I'm kind of in the same boat as you, where it wasn't something that I watched a whole lot when I was uh, gr- uh, growing up. I would sometimes, when we were on vacation, and I was kind of I was kind of in that, like, watch whatever thing, I would... That would come on. Whatever your parents had on TV or something. Yeah, like well, that. that would be one thing baby that they shows. didn't want me to watch. They, they thought it was a baby show, and then they heard someone say hell, and they're like, turn that off. Um, so is it, Oh, man. I oh, remember that's why you're so messed Okay. Yeah, that, that's why. But, uh, so I, I did watch a few episodes, and then like my first real experience with Simpsons was seeing uh, the movie in theaters, which the movie Jesus. was like, the movie is great. 2008? I've never even seen it. Yeah, uh, yeah it was, it was it's, it's good. I, yeah. I love the movie when I saw it, at least. Yeah, um, I, I, But it still holds up. I love I think, the Did we go to see the movie the together? Movie. No, I've never seen the Simpsons movie. Like, this is legitimately probably the only thing that I could quote yeah. of Simpsons material other than of course like Homer saying like mm, donuts or beer Dope. or whatever yeah like classic my, bits yeah <laughs> yeah my my frame of reference for Simpsons is so small it's like cultural like, osmosis is what you know of the Simpsons because it's so big right it's, it's just so prevalent but yeah I mean shit, I liked it a lot I, thought yeah. it was I really didn't really good. find it either until I was probably starting to get on into my teens because yeah. I was in a similar situation I remember one time specifically my dad seeing an episode where they made a joke about Christianity and he was furious. It was like, nope, you're never watching that show again. Yeah, <laughs> you, like, You'd have okay. to find your moments where like the yeah. stuff you've heard is cool is on. Yeah. So like whenever so, you know South Park or, or like if you're at your grandparents who are like, well, they're not going to really pay much attention here. Right. It's yeah. a cartoon. Yeah, it's like, right. yeah. My, my, my experience was much more like, Growing up, South Park, like watching that. Yeah. Well, that's my older yeah, brother that was would have watching been it. When you were of that age, I mean, I was eight when this came out. Right, I was nine when yeah. I started watching South Park, and yeah. so, it, but it was because my older brother Same. was watching it, and my parents, you know, they not that they were really giving shit anyway about like what's they're they're not that as anal as like what it sounds like your guys were, but yeah, I mean, it was a it was a cartoon on TV. Right. You know, yeah, was, but you know, I think Dalt with this whole podcast as a whole, Dalton and I are probably going to be on the same similar reference because we were we were young 
when we were in the 90s. Yeah, we were the same trajectory. We're we not, came, Yeah, we yeah. came of age in the early 2000s, and we found things in the 90s much later, probably. Right. We uh, haven't hit our midlife yet. Um, Mike's far past. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jesse grew up in a bunker, and he only had things from the 80s and 90s, so it kind of works out perfect. But no, it is, it is exciting to... I didn't even do, have a TV until I was 12. Well, it's exciting, <laughs> it's exciting to do that. I think it's a lot more interesting if we've got some people on the podcast that aren't overly familiar with these things, because... It, there's a joy in getting to show someone these things, and it's not always an easy sell to say, hey, you want to look at something from 30 years ago or 35 years yeah. ago, whatever it is. I mean, it, it, as, a, as a lark, like check out this one movie. It's really, really good. It's on Amazon or whatever. That's one thing, but we're doing this on a regular basis. You get kind of like a, a general feel or a consensus for what that time was because every single year in the 90s was very like – Specific. It was very like dynamically specific because there's stuff in '92, and then you look at stuff in '99 in terms of music or movies or whatever special effects, and it's like, what the fuck happened here? And it's like a lot, a lot good or a lot bad, both. Yes. So it's going to be really, really interesting jumping around because uh, you're going to get kind of like a disparate idea of the quality, but man, there's quality throughout. I mean, like really, really thorough quality when there is quality. Frame, I mean, yeah, like frame of reference, this, all the shit we rolled for this episode, I knew one, and it was the music video. It's not, not, not to say that, like, you know, everything that we roll, we'll always not know a lot about, like, what it was, or we didn't see it or anything, because it happened when we were very young. Sure. But nonetheless, I mean, even going back and revisiting this stuff, like... It's 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 not like it's not like Simpsons or Crimson Tide or like or like hard gaps. No, no. So I, I guess on that note, to your point, Mike, is I guess what is our overall impression? Like, if the idea is that we're trying to say what our overall opinion of it is, you know, what do we want to say about the Simpsons? I think we all pretty much said it. It holds yeah. up. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah, I think it holds up. I think it's good. But I mean, I also haven't been like drenched in it like you. I guess if I was to sum it up, I would say. It's it's a lot of parody, but it's such smart parody, which you don't... I feel like you don't see as much of anymore. Most of everything you see is slapstick, right? Yeah, yeah, or physical humor in some way. I yeah. Mean, yeah, or just quips or something. Yeah. Or gross-ploitation. I mean, it, it's usually... Like, how, look how shocking this is. And it's like Simpsons was never going for that low bar. It was always so much so much better written than that. It never had to to like descend to that level to be entertaining. It mm -hmm. never did. It, it, it still holds up. I mean, not only does it hold up, but going back as an adult, you're catching a lot of things you didn't catch as a kid. There's a oh, lot, yeah. there's a lot of jokes, a lot of subtlety there where it's like, God, they got away with that. It's almost like when you go see a Pixar with a, a movie with a kid now, and mm -hmm. it's like, here's a few jokes sprinkled in there for just the adults. Like there's a silence of the lambs joke or something and inside out or whatever. I, I don't know that for a fact, but they always sprinkle like, Wink, wink at the oh, parents. Yeah. That way you can sit through these What's, fucking things and I not think be completely miserable. I think it's the episode where Mr. Burns, they, they're trying to figure out who murdered him. Yeah. And it was that one that they passed to the audience, right? And everybody voted that Maggie was the one who did it. And they go back through the episode and show how she did it and everything. Right. And so by the end of the episode, they're like, well, what do we do about it? And they're like, well, we... And Chief Wiggum laughs and he's like, ah, no, no, no state in the country would convict a baby. Except maybe Texas. Except maybe. <laughs> yeah, I would say, yeah. Like, there's a lot of it's stuff like that. And he, says, he says it so fast that you may not catch it. It was like, there's a lot of... Te yeah. Texas literally has like, like a prison now. Like 2013 and up for children. 
Like this is I'm not this isn't a bit. They actually have a prison for kids. And I don't mean like a facility where, you know, you wake up and you, you get a nice breakfast and then you go talk about your feelings for a few hours. I don't mean that. This is not like a white collar thing. They have a hard time prison where they see like the sun for maybe an hour a day for kids like 12 and up. I don't remember rolling this in the podcast. No, but <laughs> we're gonna listen. We're gonna talk about things from the nineties. We're gonna talk about things in Texas from two thousand thirteen. <laughs> uh, All right. So anyway, those that, are the bad Simpsons, Simpsons had a lot to say about culture yeah. at the time, yes. which still really resonates, and they parody a lot of stuff really well. I mean, that's why you, everyone says like they predicted so many things. Right. Yeah. Well, there's even eight million episodes. They even, make that, they'd even right. make exactly. that joke about Trump being president in one episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, You're yeah. bound to land you, on something. You know what's yeah. funny? There's a joke in this episode about that. There's a joke about the million monkeys at the million typewriters. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And eventually one writes Shakespeare or whatever and that's kind of the same thing as, yeah, if you do a million episodes, you're bound to predict some kind of future reality. Yeah. <laughs> it was so. the best of times. It was the blurst of the times. Of times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a lot of him, like, <laughs> kicking animals on this, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's a hero, right? Yeah. So a hot take. Uh, Simpsons is good. Um, yeah, really. So, yeah. I feel like we've just spent 30 minutes saying, you know, Simpsons is actually kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't believe it. Well, it's a There's 90s podcast, so, so we get to say that because it's shit from 2000 after, I think. But yeah, it's, well. it's, it's a great app, though. Yeah. yeah, it was good. All right. All right. Eh. All right. I'm going to head out. All right. Clap on. Clap off. Clap on. Clap off. I'm Kurt Loder with an MTV News Brief. Garrett, so play the song. talking in the background. Yeah, but play 1979. Down, 1979. I'm in love. Yeah. <laughs> cool kids never have the time. Yeah. Is, is that, that, is that on beat? On a line no. right up off the He's fucking cracking. Oh, we are definitely not getting to now. Is this your band? I'm smiling. Jukebug, <laughs> skipping like a stone. Oh, it's skipping like a. Okay. Who skips a jukebug? With headlights <laughs> pointed at the dawn. Oh, the dawn. I thought he said dope. Sure That's what you think about stone. <laughs> to it all. Care to leave and care. I think that sounded uh, horrible, so yeah. I don't think they're going to flag it. Columbia Records just sent me an email. <laughs> uh, congratulations. They said, it just says you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations, everyone. This is uh, a podcast where we discuss things uh, from the 90s. And to write out now, we're doing a music video, 1979 by Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. So I fell it, in it, love. If, if he and didn't say of... that, then nobody would have known. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, I what thought was he that. Had... <laughs> you mean that was from the 90s? I yeah, thought was that, was that, that Vanessa Carlton? <laughs> I think of Vanessa Carlton on the pod. Yeah. Very first step. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed the cover of uh, Ironic by uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was looking, of Chris Eisen. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking deep into your eyes, 
at the start of that. I know I, it gave I, me stage fright and it knocked me off yeah, rhythm. I quickly, I quickly fell out of love though with the way that ended. That yeah. was terrible. The luster is gone. The days of wine and roses are over, boys. It's like I hope you enjoyed my original song. It's called 1982. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, anyway, yeah, hey, what do you? What do you, what do you uh what do you think about 1979? The, the year talk- itself? <laughs> yeah, the year. We're past the music video. Uh, you were what? I knew I was somebody was going to make that joke time. at some you're, point. You're 12 then. <laughs> you were, yeah, um, you were like what? 12. <laughs> I I love this video. I love this song. Yes. I was I was 11 when this came out, and I guess like actually starting to like and differentiate good music from bad music. Because I remember when I was like... Y'all are going to hate me. Well, listen, (laughs) listen, when I was nine, the thing that first like pricked my ears up was Aerosmith. Like the Get a Grip album was like, yeah, this is is good. I like music all of a sudden. I remember like attempting to like music, mainly through music videos though, because I thought the videos were cool. Like seeing R.E.M.'s um, Losing My Religion, that Tarsum Singh video, the guy who did The Cell and all that... That grabbed my fucking attention. And like tool videos, like the Brothers Quay kind of look, that creepy-ass claymation stuff, all these things grabbed my attention and sort of like by proxy I started liking music. But when this song came out, especially the video and sort of seeing what it was, just visually being like, it's about being a little bit too young to fully like embrace the time, like, you know, I guess the zeitgeist of the 90s. But knowing other kids that were a little bit older that had to keep you around like as an obligation you got to basically ride crammed in the back seat in the middle like the ultimate bitch seat but you got to go out with the cool kids in a like a shitty old beater that was a hand-me-down car and go get into some fucking trouble or at least be like adjacent to the trouble happening yeah i remember being young and like always kind of like following my older brother around and his like shithead friends who were skating right and, and and acting they were badass kids they were just boys you know doing stupid boy shit like spray painting fucking walls yeah. and you know just shit you do when you're a young dumb kid and I, you're always tagging along and when i see this I, I, mean, I was telling y'all earlier like i went through a year where i probably listened to the song like no shit probably a thousand times what was the other song you listened to with that <laughs> fucking brian <laughs> adams yeah. summer of 69 dude anything I, I do <laughs> yeah dude yeah. So, i don't know i don't know what it was i mean it was a nostalgia trip, right? Like, you watch the video, and I remember, because Garrett and I hung out when we were, like, young teenagers, and we started very early, like, hanging out Touching with some tips. of our... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I remember you, you pulling up that music video. Right, kissing, oh, oh, yeah. stuff like yeah. that. Boys being boys. So, I remember jumping in car tires and rolling around down yeah. hills and shit, or, like, sledding into a ditch when there's not even snow on the fucking ground or like driving in a car recklessly and through a parking lot or through a cove and doing donuts and shit like that. Yeah. You, you're your bored. Body you have so fucking... much time on your hands. Right. He's got a Honda Civic and he's like, I just put Flowmasters on it. It probably slides faster. So yeah, I, like this just, it fills that little like niche there of like being a young kid. It's interesting to me because now that yeah. you say that it, kind of makes sense to me more why maybe this song just doesn't like sit with me the way it does with y'all 
Because like I always friends. like I, <laughs> yeah, and you, you, I always you, really, you didn't recognize the tire. It's like what is that shape? What well, is, so like <laughs> I always really like I always really like Bob Seger's Night Moves, right? In terms of like a song that's about a like song. a bygone era, that's yeah. like oh you know n- the nostalgic feeling of what that was like to be young. But this what you're talking about, like oh hanging out with my older brother and he was with the cool kids. I didn't have that, so like maybe that's kind of part of why it just doesn't. Doesn't maybe, do it for me. Maybe it's more like the aesthetic of like the sound. Like you can relate to someone who smokes two packs a day versus a guy's voice that sounds like a radiator belt when it's wet. <laughs> it could be that too. So I totally missed the video back then too, right? So this was probably the first time I've ever sat down and watched the whole thing. The first thing. time I saw it was on Beavis and Butthead. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize they even did that video. I, I, you know what? Now that I say that, I'm I'm not convinced they. I don't think they. they, I don't. I don't think they (laughs) paid like to get. I mean, I guess they didn't have to pay because it was MTV, but. They it's typically it. put shitty videos to riff about because, I mean... Oh, no, no, no. Sometimes they played some videos some that they were like, oh, yeah. this is fucking awesome. Well, like, they, they played yeah, Twisted Sister yes, they played and stuff. Metallica like, it, like, I right. can see yeah. that being one that the whole time when they're just throwing stuff in the pool, they're just like, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I remember, like, when this video came on, because this would have been the summer of, like, 96. That's when I got to see the most music videos, when I'd be at my dad's house all day on the summer. Like every every weekday, and you got to really get some quality time in with MTV. And I mean, no matter what you were doing, you always stopped and and watched the video because the video just really captured '96, man. Like being at that age and like knowing a few other kids that fuck, we may get arrested tonight. Like we're gonna be in trouble. And then everything's okay, and then you realize like time's on your side. Like youth is on your side somehow. You're untouchable in a way. And it felt good to be like approximate to that to being around other kids because when you're on your own you're fumbling in the dark for like things that expand your horizon because you're kind of stupid i mean you're you're learning as you go here but when you're around older kids that are cooler than you that have like cool clothes and not like shit from goodwill they can drive they can drive you like an old beater car and like smoke their dad's cigs or whatever everything they do you're paying attention to like your your entire horizons are being expanded upon like the world's not flat anymore like you realize there's so much opportunity here and so many things to see and i think this video nails it i I think i i got exposed to the video when i was older because 96 i mean i'm four years yeah i'm saying i don't have shit for reference at that point but older when i like revisit this video and i hear this (laughs) song and i see it play it out it's me through teenage years. It's yeah. just, you know, it's years later. But, you know, I like I said, you know, I was younger and I had always like this older crew to like look around to. So like, I'm not worried about getting arrested. It's just like minor suburbia shit, right? Just acting up, acting out. That type of shit. I think that's what this is, though. Kids without any real problems and without... Right, 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 With so much time. You know, you get get off out of school, you hop in your friend's car and you just... Start trouble. So, watching uh, this drive video, around the Walmart parking dude, lot. Watching this yeah. video yeah. made me feel so old now, man. I didn't realize what a no. different person I am. I see, watch these kids, and all I can think about watching them do all this stuff. That was, where are your parents? Yeah. Like, you know, oh, what are you guys God, doing? Dude. Uh, that, hey. That's what I also got from this video is every kid in this video is cooler than Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what I figured. Uh, and he's sitting there in the back seat with his buzzed head singing the wet, yeah, raspy awful voice God, if, oh, and it, if jesse it, was sitting in my back seat singing like that i would just i t- i turn over and kick him out i put him in the trunk he looks like yeah. he's on his way to the dentist office i tell, I tell <laughs> like, him to pick it, his feet up from through the floorboard and quit <laughs> yeah jesse i'm trying to hit the brake stop going <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh 
Yeah. Throwing chairs and golf clubs in the pool. Like, oh man, that's going to be so, that's not going to be easy to get out. You're acting shitty, but like, that's what you did. I know. You did did shit. When I was a kid, I like, I remember going up to like my church was on this big fucking hill and during October they had this pumpkin patch. And we would get the pumpkins and we'd, we'd roll them down them. the no, we'd roll them down the hill into traffic. It was a busy traffic. <laughs> we'd fucking roll that shit down the road oh, and see if we could get it across. And when I when everyone did it, they got all theirs across, and I rolled my pumpkin down the hill and a fucking minivan crashed into it. <laughs> oh. And I'm like, well maybe they won't notice. And they just break <laughs> and they do a U-turn and oh, they pull yeah. around and oh. I try running into the church and the church is locked and I'm like, oh Fuck. Yeah. That's when Garrett realized Jeez. he couldn't run. Yeah. That's when that's when he realized he committed manslaughter. Yeah. Killed three kids in there. Yeah. Was, what, what this reminds me of is I, I think you were there, but we were hanging out at a friend of ours' house, and it just shit you think of like, hey, I've got all these fluorescent long oh, light yeah. bulbs. What should we smash do with them? them? Let's smash them. Smash yeah. yeah, but we can't just smash them in our yard. Let's go throw them into a parking lot. I yeah. remember that. That way, that way it never happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so we just started javelin tossing oh, yeah. these fucking fluorescent lights into the fucking neighboring parking lot of the apartment complex and they're shattering through it and we're just giggling laughing yeah i think the video is like this very this very poor apartment complex (laughs) and we're like anyone can come out there and kick our ass (laughs) oh yeah i think i've told you this story before but like our big thing when we were bored was we would go to the end of the block like the cross street and we would just we would we would escalate. I mean, within like I, I say hours, but it's probably within ten minutes. You put like an action figure out in the street where you see like most of the cars are going, and it gets run over, and you get excited until like you go pick it up, and you realize like it didn't really do that much. It just kind of scuffed it up a little bit. So it's like, well, what else we got? The next thing you know, you're putting like bricks and shit out in the street, and. <laughs> Eventually, like, people are running over glass light bulbs and stuff like that, and they're screeching on those brakes. But, of course, like, every kid knew, like, well, you just hop this idiot's, like, fence, and you go slide under his shed where there's, like, a dugout or something under there. Yeah, just hide there. What's he going to do? Like, come three backyards through and, like, find us, drag us out and kill us? Yeah. And the answer is, yeah, probably, but, like, it never happened. (laughs) But I remember one time I came home from my dad's house. And we got home at like five o'clock. It must have been summertime because it was still pretty light out. And there were like lights at the end of that that block, like at the cross street. It was like an ambulance and like a like a fire truck. I mean, it was like a to-do, man. And I went down there, like, what happened? What happened? And my best friend's stepbrother, who was kind of like a bad kid, like when he was around, shit would actually happen. Like, someone's gonna get hurt tonight. Cause he was just that kid. I mean, he was he was hyperactive and he was just he was looking for shit to do. He couldn't help it. And he comes walking by me and I'm like, what happened? And he like, without blinking, I mean, just wide eyed, like just shook his head. Like, nope, nope. The question's in there. And he walked right by. There was a fucking car that had flipped completely over. It was on its roof. And clearly that game had happened there. He had put some shit out in the street. It's probably like like a fucking cinder block or like an anvil, an acme anvil or something. (laughs) I don't know what he had put out there, but a car flipped. It probably cut the wheel and it flipped. But I think we kind of like took the game down a little bit after that. Damn, yeah, it yeah. becomes very real at that yeah, point. Yeah. I, I didn't know this segment was going to turn into a legal confession. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen, I didn't do that. Statue of Limitation. It was my friend's stepbrother, yeah. I promise. Yeah, you know, I, I have an alibi. I was at my dad's house, like eating hot dogs filled with cheese or whatever <laughs> god awful shit was in them. 
But yeah, no, no. I, we, we ripped the, the gutter off a house that was constantly being rented, but people would be there for like six weeks and they would just move. I guess it was yeah. like a meth den. But we, we would go hang out in that uh, house's backyard and we ripped the gutter that was barely hanging on off the side of the house and we would get bottle rockets and like load them in the back of the gutter. The, that sounds the so fucking sweet. And fire them like a, like a bazooka. <laughs> And I mean, of course, when you're a kid, you know, you all pull together like $3.14 and you go buy like nine, nine million bottle rockets July 5th, you know, like, what can we get for this? And it's like, just take the whole fucking tent, kids, like whatever you want. And we would blast bottle rockets off for probably three years after that. Yeah. But shooting them at each other. That whole street was bottle rockets, man. But Je- so Jesse, re- is this why like this video doesn't really like speak? To no, you? because you like doing this shit. Yeah, no, I mean, I, was a kid. <laughs> I think the video, I think the video really does capture that spirit of like it being at that age. It not only gives you license, but almost like it's a requirement that you're just a shitty person, right? And you do crazy stuff like that. I mean, I remember one time. I still feel bad about this one time when you actually got a good snow around here, and there were dozens of snowmen all in the neighborhood around my house and so me and a friend of mine we ran around and just slaughtered every single snowman we could find we had a shovel and we just would run into people's yards and just hammered them down and people were yelling at us and knocking on their windows and stuff and we're just giving them the fingers like nah, and just running off like ah, we don't care like God, you're so Everybody. fucking badass. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about yeah, Lindsay. I'm not shooting. You're talking about being a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> like being on the McDonald Trinity scale or whatever. Jess, Jesse's running up the snowman with the shovel, just plunging it in their face. Take that, Dad! Yeah, like when I wasn't pissing the bed and starting small fires, I was like decapitating snowmen in the neighborhood. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jesse. No wonder you didn't like this video. Man. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's about it's about magical nostalgia, and you need to go talk to somebody. <laughs> Frankly, I think they were all little bitches. This hey, episode hey. is sponsored by BetterHelp. <laughs> no, it's not. This, no, this it's episode not. Is sponsored by Lithium. <laughs> so let me ask you guys this, and and be be honest. Like seeing the young kid hang out with like the cool older kids, is that like me with you guys? What you're not the right. older kid, you're an old man. Yeah. But you're grandpa. Yeah, I know, but I definitely don't think you're cool if that's I mean, what you're asking. Okay, it's well, it's kind of the inverse, I guess. Yeah. Let me let me posit this. Then. It's more like, like you're trying to be young. Let me just yeah. throw this out there. Then let me just skip a stone. This here. is your midlife crisis. <laughs> Most people buy a Corvette. And it's a rest of development. It's not crisis. a midlife crisis. It's more like the grandkids coming to see their grandpa in the nursing home and wheeling him around outside in the wheelchair for an hour and being like, Hey, look, you see the flowers? Right, like, did you let, take your meds today? Let me hoarsely spit some wisdom in your ear real quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> Listen to those Capri Suns that I brought today. Uh-huh. One of them's got some of my dad's beard one. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about that? Hey, and I also brought some of my mom's parliaments. So what do you think about that? Look, it's a Capri Sun that's clearly open and it's just like, it's like visibly like dried sticky from like shitty dad beer. It's, it's got Ugh. six ounces of shitty warm beer in it. Which one of us do you think would be the first one that you. Like, takes a little sip and goes like, oh, I think I'm drunk. You. No, it wouldn't be you. No, it wouldn't <laughs> be, be you. Me. Because Garrett wouldn't drink it. I wouldn't drink after you. I wouldn't have drank and it either. And then Jesse, he doesn't. He doesn't. His, his functioning is just not there. <laughs> yeah, no, Jesse doesn't drink, dude. Jesse would be the guy who actually managed to get drunk. It's just fermented. It's not even like that alcoholic. So one time when Jesse's I was like, gonna get drunk on regular Capri Sun. So like one time when I was like eight, um, 
my mom used to stock the fridge with soda all the time, right? But I was at that point where, like, you know, she would buy whatever it was, like Big K, whatever generic Coke there would be sometimes. So it would always be something different, right? When she go to the store, just depending on what they had. Same, yeah. And so one time I remember going to the fridge and, like, some of the neighbors were, like, in the backyard. And, you know, my parents were out there and my brother's sister. And I just, like, happened to go to the bathroom and was reaching the fridge to come outside and have a soda while we are hanging out out there. And I walk outside with the soda in my hand and I've already chugged, like, you know, three or four, like, big sips of it. And everyone's just looking at me. And they're like, what are you doing, Jesse? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I can't remember if it was my mom or my dad that was finally like, that's... That's that's a beer. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh really? Shit, you were yeah. a bad kid. Yeah, he learned that Dude. day he couldn't read. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think that was the day my brain went. Actually, it wasn't it, was the day. it wasn't the beer they were surprised by. It was the snow shovel you were still lugging around your shoulder. <laughs> like, oh Christ, here comes Jesse. Oh, and he's got a beer. He's got that look in his eyes, and he's drunk. He's been drinking. They weren't mad about the beer. They were mad that he ripped the top of the fucking pan <laughs> off instead of popping. Did anybody else just take a pair of scissors and a box cutter to all their toys and just made them all injured? I mean, just my Barbies. (laughs) (laughs) That way they would be pretty. Just my sister's toys. No, uh, back to my question, though. You, Garrett, you would definitely be the guy that was like smoking one of my mom's parliaments like a joint. You'd be like like puff puffing it and like trying to pass it and stuff. Holding it in like that. You would somehow get drunk off of the Capri, the six no, ounces of Capri Sun I wouldn't, beer. I wouldn't realize it was beer. That would have gone completely over my head. And I'd just be like, ooh, Capri Sun, this tastes terrible. It, like, it, it's uh, strawberry, kiwi-infused, shitty beer, Coors or something. But yeah, good video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do want to talk about some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, though. Yeah. Uh, but, or some of the other... Yeah, so uh, 1979, Billy Corgan, lead singer of... The Smashing Pumpkins was 12, so that is, you know, the song is, yeah, that we've already covered About that. him being 12. About, yeah, about him being yeah. 12, oh, hanging out with older okay. people. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, he so. He looks 12. Yeah, he, he still does. Why did you <laughs> wink when you said that? <laughs> yeah. So, when they were uh, making the video, um, the people who directed it were, I can't remember their names. Can you pull here. them up? Yeah, I got it. Uh, it's Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. And uh, they also did the Tonight Tonight video, which is really fucking good. The Trip to the Moon homage of just like silent filmmaking. And they did Californication by Red Hot Chili Peppers. And they actually did Little Miss Sunshine, the movie. Really? Yeah. So and go, go ahead. Movie. Yeah, because you had a really good point about the Little Miss Sunshine because you just watched it for the first time. The I other did. Day. Uh, well, after I watched the music video and saw they had directed it, I, I was like, well, I've never seen Little Miss Sunshine. Maybe there's a little bit of a parallel. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I watched it for the first time. Great fucking movie. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of it because there, there's definitely like the way it's shot, the way it's lit is still very naturalistic like this, uh, this music video. And there's the obvious coming of age element. Yeah, it's mostly set in a car. I mean, yeah, it's mostly yeah. set in a car. Um, I mean, yeah, you can you could watch it and you could kind of figure out. Yeah, these people are the uh, directors of 1979. But the uh, originally they were going to approach another director, uh, or they uh, had originally approached another director about making the music video. And his idea was like it was going to be set in an alien hotel yeah. and they're going to wear animal masks. And that director yeah. was Spike Jones. I'm really so. disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse's like, that. fuck, I would have liked it. Man. Man.
I mean, the guy did bring us a music video of Christopher walking, dancing for three minutes in a hotel. So like flying through a hotel. Yeah. So to... I mean, the the guy the guy corrected the errors of his way. But, I mean, he yeah. is a great music. He's video a good director. good music video director. But a, lot, a lot of great Bjork video. That pitch like that. is like what? Yeah, a different so. different video. It doesn't quite nail the the feeling of that song. I also read uh, something about how uh, after they wrapped it, they left like some reels of film on top of a car and drove off, and they had to go to like a a concert in New York that very night to perform and they had to go back and shoot the party scene all over. But I think that Corgan or someone wanted to do uh, something violent, like in the, the gas station scene, instead of just wrecking yes. it. They were yeah, talking about right. like, like stepping on someone's head or something or like committing a hate crime. And the directors were like, no, we're, that's you're, that, that, that goes against the theme of the video. And he, I guess, I guess what he was going for was like, it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. That and makes a lot of sense, actually, when you say that, because I, I got the impression watching the video, because this was the first time I had seen it. Yeah. I did get that impression when the cops show up in the store that it was like all of a sudden the mood had changed. And it wasn't just because, like, oh, the cops are here. We got to, we got to, you know, not just be because now it anymore. got real. It was because yeah. something got now real. A car and it did. And it, and it made me feel like for a second maybe I missed something. Like, did they do something serious that I wasn't paying attention to? But. Yeah, it does. There is a moment there where it feels like, oh, that they they've gone too far. Right. It's uh, when you're it's when you're fucking around with your buddies and are doing something ridiculous, and then all of a sudden someone like actually gets hurt or in trouble, or you know you have right. to call someone's parents or right. you know like actually talk to a figure of authority, and now everyone's like getting that chill where it's like, well, I don't want to be the one to say it. I don't want to talk. I don't want to say that we were doing bad stuff. I, I think, <laughs> I think that's like, um, the video itself, though, all the events that happen, it's, it's not about like the feeling of the nineties or even what he felt in the seventies necessarily. I think it's more about like from the perspective of someone who's young, who's hanging out with older people. And it's that one day that really stands out in your mind to where, there was a day of all high highs and really low lows of like, I'm having so much fun. I can't believe this is all happening. Like they're, they're bringing me along for the ride. Like what a roller coaster. And then all of a sudden it's like someone's almost dead or the cops got called or I'm in serious, serious trouble. But really you're just sort of approximate to all the actual stuff. You're not actually at fault for anything. So no matter what, no matter what, you're going to come out of the blast radius of this thing and it'll be okay, but you're never going to forget it. But you also kind of don't really want to aim to repeat that. Right. You're so adjacent to trauma that it makes you yeah. adverse to having it happen again. Yeah. But it was, it's just one of, yeah, it's just one of those moments that really is kind of like ironed out. Everyone's had that, like regardless yeah. of the decade, because I mean, he's talking about the seventies and mine was the nineties when this thing was released Everyone can relate to this thing, though. I think it's, it's a very universal idea. Right. I saw it later in the 2000s. I still feel like it really hit the nail on the head yeah. for me growing up and being around a bunch of kids that are, you know, just fucking around. Not to, not to something that really to. changed you and yeah. it grew you up a little bit. And yeah. Yeah. And not to mention the song itself. I mean, that, that acoustic guitar riff is so iconic. I mean, that is such a distinct sound. Like when that song comes on, you know exactly what's about to happen. Uh, it. Yeah, it's just like here in the beginning of Oasis. <laughs> or yeah, well, like that. it's got kind of like a like an echoing Wonderwall, like, sorry, like a reverby sort of echoing sound yeah. to the whole thing. It sounds haunted in a way. Well, that, um, there's that uh, when when he's playing the riff and it's da 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 on the uh, second note. 
It was like a little echoey. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's That's almost that. like the, like the Janie's got a gun, like Aerosmith thing, with all those weird like creaks and moans throughout it. It sounds haunted. It sounds like yeah. a, a Gregorian chant or something, like kind of underlying the music. It's very strange, but it, it creates like such a distinct sound. I think it's a lot different than a lot of their music too, the Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. So we kind of all agree that like Jesse's wrong. And yeah, Jesse's good. wrong. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Jesse well, had I... rickets as a kid, and he was in a hospital bed. <laughs> he can't relate to any of this shit. And, he was uh, scared of all the fucking wolves yeah. outside his cave. I lost my brain when I drank beer at eight years old. <laughs> yeah, he dr- he drank Capri Sun with beer in it, and he I think, carried uh, a snow I, shovel around. I think you make a valid point about how it sounds like a memory, like it distinctly tries yeah. to sound like that, and it's kind of romanticized. It's kind of sweet, yes. yeah, but it's it's just never been a song that i was like oh man i gotta i have to listen to this right now well it's about perspective too i think about like it wasn't actually that big of a day or an event or anything like it wasn't even that good it was just the way i remembered it yeah it's all the perspective of like things didn't get better after that i mean they were interesting and i learned a lot but that was like a revolutionary day to me like my whole worldview changed in that moment by being accepted by the cool kids just for a day, just along for the ride. Like they didn't really want you there. It's yeah. not like they called you up and said, "Yeah, let's go hang out this weekend. Let's go to the mall." It was more like, you, you, "We have to take my little brother. He's stuck with us for the day, and you're just witnessing things." Yes, yeah. and like right. I said, I didn't, re- I didn't really have that either because my brother pretty much hung out with me and my friends, being as close in age as he is. And yeah. my yeah. sister. It was really more like I was the older one. I was the one who was really in that position for the most part. And I was yeah. a pretty straight laced kid for the most part until I was late in my teenager years. Until until it um. snowed. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but, the, but this song, I was telling you earlier, like it reminds me of Clerks too. It always has. It always does. Every time I hear it, and in Clerks too, Randall is like it, it's playing like while he's like driving around a go kart track and just like decompressing. From being a fucking adult, and it's just taking you know, he explains on it a it's little bit. And everything. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like returning to being a child and a simpler time. Things are easy, you're just a kid, and it just makes you feel fucking free yeah. and everything like that. So that's all I can relate the song to. Every time I hear it, I think about that movie and I think about it as a carefree time period where we were sure. dicking off, but it was like lighthearted. Of course, you think back, and like when you start remembering specific memories and stuff, you're like, "Did we fucking yeah. flip a car right. and kill someone?" <laughs> yeah, that kid probably died. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. there's it's... something there. Yeah, where it's just like, "Oof, that was that was a, a a very there was no guardrail there when we made that turn." That was very close. Right. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's funny. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, hey, look, gun to anybody's head that's familiar with the song or the video, especially like if you had to. Ask ask them what's it about and they're sitting there trembling i'm pretty sure they'd get it right because it just seems sort of universally like that's that's it it's that simple there's 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 no complicated issue to this there's not like a lot of ins and outs to it it's just all about nostalgia and remembering like how elevated you felt on a particular day or evening or whatever like just by being around those elements which were rare they and were all those rare songs, fucking elements all those songs the other songs we talked about too are like that right it's it's not even that it's just about nostalgia that it's oh you, they did these bad things but it's that feeling of not having responsibility like you were at an yeah. age where like that didn't matter and there is something nice about that it's remembering yeah. what it was like to be in a time where you 
didn't have to accept responsibility. Yeah, that wasn't. Yeah, yeah, you didn't yeah. have that burden. <laughs> you you go outside, you hop on your bike, and you just fucking disappear. Yeah, right. yeah. For hours I, like, at a time. It's weird that you know, like as long as like nobody got hurt, you know, like everything else is fine. We it's, hope. It's, it's it's morally completely okay. There's no like gray area there. It's just no, no one got hurt. It's everything's fine. And it's like, is it like? <laughs> <laughs> that 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 guy is going to need new siding on his house now from what we did today like it's not okay but you yeah. just you don't think about like the moral implications of any of that shit you remember that, that scene and i think it's in the good son with elijah wood and every Macaulay scene yeah. but there's that scene where they go to the overpass yeah and he drops the dummy off uh, the overpass yeah, mr yeah. mr safety or whatever his name is <laughs> yeah, and right. yeah and they, they drop the safety dummy over and it's it's like a it's like a wreck from the blues brothers yeah, it's like, it's like 128 car cars yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that might be the exception to the rule. Like you keep bringing up these things to where you probably need to go talk to a professional, like like a child professional, but now as an adult, um, still focused on children. Still focused. You on just children. happen to be yeah. an adult. Quotations now. Yeah. I need better. Anyway, I'm I'm gonna eat pizza. Oh, let's go eat pizza. Yeah. Let's go eat pizza. All right, that's it.